Thursday, August the 26th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Getting all set for a big racing weekend with a major focus over at Saratoga. It is Travers Day on Saturday, so we'll have David Aragona, the man who makes the morning line over at Saratoga, join us to talk about a couple of the graded stakes races there. I believe they have seven graded stakes on Saturday, six of them grade ones. We talk about four of those grade ones right here. But we'll get you some Friday racing also for both Saratoga. We have a really good New York bread showcase day and then full card for Del Mar. We'll get into some stuff uh, happening in baseball, some thoughts on hard knocks, episodes one through three, and some football news. Um, we're also going to get into Charlestown, some of their stakes races for Friday night. We'll hit Saturday, Del Mar, and then wrestling with Chad Cooper. We go into Raw, NXT, and AEW recaps. As always, it's a loaded episode of That's What G Said Podcast, presented by Better Than Dot Vegas at BTV Bets on Twitter. It is a website that will help you become a better handicapper, a better gambler. It provides free content, videos from all sorts of different gamblers and handicappers all around the world, giving you their insights, their selections, the games they're playing, their reasoning. And uh, you can get involved yourself by creating an account, posting videos, posting some of your selections, grow your following. You can play every week in the in the weekly showdown. All you have to do is post a couple of your plays and you will be a part of that weekly showdown. The winner gets 250 bucks each week and it's all tabulated for you there. If you follow at BTV Bets on Twitter, they actually have giveaways every single night where they will give away a wager or a prop bet you get that wager or prop bet if you follow and just help retweet and follow the instructions. They give, they make a wager, they give it to someone. If it hits, you keep the money. I mean, doesn't cost you anything. Better than dot Vegas. Everything over there is free and it's presented by Manscaped.com with the promo code Two Idiots, getting you twenty percent off and free shipping. So, checking a little bit. With baseball, now keep in mind, I'm recording this on Thursday, so some of these numbers, everything that you're hearing was heading into Thursday, because on Wednesday night, which actually ended on Thursday, there was a crazy 16-inning Dodger game where the Dodgers ended up beating the Padres 5-3. The game, no game had gone longer than 13 innings since the new extra inning rule where you you automatically put a runner on second to start in the 10th. This game went 5 hours, 49 minutes, 489 pitches, 19 pitchers, stranded 35 base runners. A.J. Pollock hit a a home run in the 16th. It was funny. Nobody had scored until the 15th. The Dodgers scored two runs there. Then the Padres come back and score two to tie it up. And then the Dodgers end up winning the game in the 16th. Some insane stats. I'm reading from this ESPN article. So, you know, the game ended at 12.59 a.m., basically 1 o'clock. You, there were 52 players on the active roster, 47 of them. No, 52 players on the active rosters to appear in the game. The uh, Dodgers won the 11th of 12. Blake Snell was just incredible. He, I believe, went deeper into... Uh, a career high, 122 pitches in seven and two thirds innings, longest outing of his career. Retired the first 11 batters in the game. Dodgers went five for 27 with runners in scoring position. The Padres went two for 24. Dodgers stranded 17 base runners. Padres stranded 18. The Dodgers had eight intentional walks. What ended up happening is the Padres ran out of position players, 
So in extra innings, they kept having to have their pitcher hit. So the Dodgers would walk two two batters in a row to get to the pitcher every time. And so the pitcher would come up with the bases loaded, and it was actually really good managing from Dave Roberts, who gets critiqued quite a bit. Great game from Snell and Bueller. Yeah, you needed like Musgrove, Ryan Weathers. They end up having to hit because there were no other bench players for the Padres. They ran out of bench players, so they had to, to start using pitchers. Dodgers had two runners thrown out in rundowns between third and home in the 12th and 13th inning. Kenley got his 1,000th career strikeout. I mean, just crazy stuff. There was actually, the Dodgers went 29 outs without giving up a hit. They they pitched a perfect, or they pitched a no-hitter in the middle of the game. <laughs> just think about, there was a, a, a stretch greater than nine innings where the Dodgers didn't give up a hit. Whenever these two teams get together, it is a ton of fun. A lot of theatrics. Some other stuff happened in baseball. The Orioles ended a 19-game losing streak. Shout out to them. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got the Yankees, who have won 11 in a row. The Tampa Rays just quietly, they keep winning. They've won four straight. They were up to 79-48. and 48. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They have a plus 155 run differential, and they are four games up. On every team in the American League. Right now if the playoffs were to start today. In the American League. We'd get a Boston Red Sox. At Yankees wild card game. With the winner playing Tampa. We'd get the White Sox at Houston. In that first uh, divisional series. In the National League. It would be the Reds. Playing the Dodgers. Reds at Dodgers for the wild card. The winner would then play the Giants. And the Braves and the Brewers would play in a series. That's what the playoffs look like right now. A's got to be careful. They they are out of the playoffs right now. They've lost four straight. They're a game and a half back of Boston for the second wild card. They're four and a half games behind the Yankees. And the Mariners have won three in a row. They're only two and a half back of Boston for that second wild card. They're five and a half behind the Yankees. And the, the Padres now have dropped out of the wild card after that loss last night. Two and eight in their last ten. Now a full game back of the Reds. Eleven and a half back of the Dodgers. The Cardinals, only three and a half back of the Reds. They've got a small outside chance. They're two and a half behind San Diego Padres for that wild card spot. The Mets, at the All-Star break, were 47-40. and 40. Right now, they're 61-65. and 65. They've gone 14-25 and 25 in their last 39 games, and they just look hopeless. They've been getting crushed by the Dodgers and the, the Giants, like back and forth and back and forth, just beat up. On the poor Mets who looked like they were going to win the division earlier in the year. And now they have just been free falling. Want to let everybody know about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast. Cindy Carava, full service realtor, Cindy Carava. Her website, cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Now, as a full service realtor, that means she can help you in many different ways. Like buying, selling, leasing. She can help, you know, connect you with the right kind of people like vendors. Maybe you need help with, uh, you know, painting or landscaping or some sort of home improvement. She has all the connections of people that she's used in her own homes. Maybe you need help getting pre-approved for a home loan. She can connect you with the right lenders that you need that are going to make things easy and help you expedite that process. You know, maybe you just are curious how much your home is worth. You need a free market analysis. She will take care of that for you. CindyCarava.com, that's the website where you can find 
all the listings, some of her former projects, ways to get in touch with her. You can see reviews from other folks that have worked with Cindy. I've known her for over a decade. She is one of the kindest, most genuine people you will ever meet. She's going to make your life so much easier when you're going through the process of moving, relocating, home improvement, all that stuff. Let Cindy Carava help you. CindyCarava.com Let's head over to the NFL, some NFL news. The Jags named Trevor Lawrence their starter officially. No surprise there. And uh, some bad news for the Jags also as they lose the rookie running back Travis Etienne for the year. James Robinson has now become a real buzzy uh, back for a lot of people in, in fantasy after his monster year last year. The Broncos named Teddy Bridgewater the starter. This was a a stat that I saw from Warren Sharp. Last year, Bridgewater played the number one most difficult schedule of pass defenses. This year, Denver is projected to face the number one easiest schedule of pass defenses. So he went from the absolute hardest last year to the absolute easiest projected this year. Which should make uh, Teddy B just look a, a lot better this year. Jimmy G or Trey Lance for the 49ers. They still have not made their call. Probably going to go Jimmy G. Cam Newton misses some time due to COVID misunderstanding. Mac Jones apparently looks good when he's been filling in in camp. The Rams acquire Sony Michelle running back to help with the depth there. Remember Cam Akers out for the year. And Henderson has a thumb injury. And who knows if he's really like a number one bell cow. Kind of, you know, 30 carries back. He's probably still the one you want to own from a fantasy perspective. But little depth there for the Rams with uh, Sony, Michelle. The Tennessee Titans have been having some COVID issues. Ryan Tannehill among nine Tennessee players and coaches who have tested positive for COVID. Uh, they announced that seven players have been placed on the reserve COVID list this week. Coach Mike Vrabel tested positive for the virus. Tannehill is vaccinated. He'll miss five days depending on how quickly he can produce two negative tests over a 48-hour period. Titans host the Cardinals week one on September 12th. So fingers crossed. Hopefully we don't... Uh, you know, we're seeing it all around the world again now. Why would we expect that we won't be seeing it in sports at some point? We just hope everyone's healthy and safe. We've had three episodes in of Hard Knocks. You know, I thought the first one was kind of a little boring. You know, they've been fine. They're solid. If you like football, you like the Cowboys, and you like these kind of, you know, behind-the-scene looks, they're always going to be entertaining. After the third one, though, sort of all together now, I'm starting to enjoy it more and more. You just get, you know, introduced to more... Uh, Storyline, some players that are lower on the depth chart that you're not sure if they're going to make the team or they're looking for playing time. That's really the the fun stories for Hard Knocks. So let's get into some thoughts from episode one. I'm uh, always one that goes and reads the, uh, Dan Hans's some of his recaps and uh, I kind of poke through those a lot after I've watched uh, some of the episodes. So episode one, you get Dak right off the bat talking about you know his injury the the whole last year and a half not only the injury but first he had uh, lost his brother his older brother in April of 2020 died then after that the, the major major injury for Dak and it's been on top of what kind of year that it's been for everyone you could tell that he's he's taking this all in he's talking he mentioned scars when and you know Physical, I think, and uh, emotional scars for what it's been like for him over the last couple years. There was a season. Uh, there was a season of adversity. Now there's a season of triumph. One of the, his quotes. We see the relationship between him and Ezekiel Elliott. They're best buddies, and we check in with Mike McCarthy. 
and Jerry Jones. Get a look at the uh, the man who says he would do anything known to man to get into a Super Bowl. That's a fact. He's kind of crying a little as he says if he could be anywhere in the world, he would be right here daily grinding with his football team. And you know, he's a showman, but you, you believe it, right? Because why would he be here? He doesn't have to. This is the kind of thing that he loves doing. Yeah, you got a lot of Dak in episode one A lot of Dak and a lot of Zeke Um, It was his birthday too And obviously There was an interesting You know, couple scenes where you saw Dak really wanting to try to push It more, and he was upset when the team Would try to tell him, hey, you can't do as much We need to slow down, you know, we don't want to You know, overdo it And then he did have a little bit of a setback So you wonder if it was because he was pushing Trying to push through a little bit too much Funny that uh, Ezekiel Elliott had never wrapped a Christmas present or has never wrapped a present. We saw him having to wrap a present for Dak. He even said, like, you've never wrapped a Christmas present? Really? Like, never? That's crazy. Never a present for anyone? But Zeke is funny. He's got a good personality, too. And it, you could see through the first couple episodes, you get the sense that Zeke's going to have a good year. He just, he feels comfortable. I don't know. Seems a little bit different than he did coming into last year. Fans out at the practices. We'll see how long that lasts. Hopefully, um, like I said, with everything going on, but it's it's so cool to see all the people back. We oh, we got the mojo moments. So McCarthy's kind of corny. He does what they call mojo moments. He plays a clip from Austin Powers, and it's it's yeah, you know, it's supposed to be like these big, you know. Moments throughout the game And he'll kind of call it a mojo moment it, It's kind of, it's very weird, you have to check it out and, and see what I'm talking about And it, I don't know, it doesn't seem like it connected all that much I mean, how the guys that are playing right now Are they big Austin Powers fans? I don't know I mean, I loved Austin Powers But I'm probably older than a lot of them These kids That was episode one In episode two, we started to You know, find out about more of the underdogs You know, we, we talked uh, in, to Azura Kimura Family fled Ivory Coast, refugee in New Guinea, went to Arizona, moved to Arizona. He didn't even know how to speak the language. He became immersed in football, and he got a scholarship to Kansas. He was on the practice squad in 2020, and he looked good in what we saw of him. We then checked in with uh, one of the coaches from uh, from Europe, Dirty, who. Was a D-line coach And he's got a great accent So The the guys all make fun of him And, and kind of pick Not, you know, playfully pick on his accent They even Had asked him if uh, If he knew about Ted Lasso And, you know, he was kind of I've never watched it But I know what you mean As Who doesn't love Ted Lasso So Kamara In one of the preseason games Gets a Gets in he has a game-stealing uh, strip sack, but then it's wiped away by a false start. A couple minutes later, he has another big sack that he he doesn't get because there's a clear pe- uh, holding penalty that they miss. So he had the opportunity a couple big plays, but you could see he's got some he's got some ability there. We also find out a little bit about the international player pathway program, which the European coach knows a little bit about it. D- it develops non-American football talent to try to grow the number of foreign-born players in the NFL. Zeke Elliott, in a gross uh, moment, was talking about his gooch, 
and he needed some baby powder for his bottom area. Get a little uh, little rash out there sometimes when the weather gets warm. You know, we don't. I mean, let's not pretend that we all don't know what he's talking about. It was just funny to hear him talking about the gooch and the baby powder there. We checked in a lot with Ben DiNucci because he's getting a lot more reps and, and a lot more opportunities because they don't want to overdo Dak a lot in early camp. So we see some of the things he struggles with, how he's able to work on that, sort of implement things in the games from his sessions with the coaches. Episode 3 started, and if you haven't seen it, you can check this out on Twitter because they have the little clip. And there is a drone shot that goes for about three minutes, and it goes all the way through the star, the the Dallas Cowboys headquarters, which is, this isn't a stadium like other stadiums. There's a, you know, you have a stadium, maybe a couple shops around it, something like that. This is an actual, like, town. And we get a look through the drone, a flyover through all of this. It's It's incredible. 91-acre campus, 12,000-seat indoor stadium, boutique shopping center, luxury hotel, all built by Jerry. Jerry World. Forbes estimated the Cowboys' worth at $6.5 billion, by far the most valuable team. He invested $150 million in 1989. And he's always been one of the more famous owners, and so we hear a lot about, you know, we, we see a lot about him in this episode. He's interviewed from his helicopter, and then he's kind of pissed off because he gets a call in the helicopter. They forgot his son. So he has to go back and pick up his son. It was pretty pretty funny here. Uh, his eldest son, Steven. And when uh, when they pick up Steven, Jerry Pops is kind of giving his son a little bit of crap too. It, why not just start the day and F it up? Starting off the day with the pre-snap penalty. He's got some spice. Like he's, I thought the second and third episodes really picked up quite a bit. We see Dak talking about some goofy stuff here. He used to wear Under Armour so he could tuck in the chub. He talks about why he doesn't trust people in costumes. He doesn't like anything haunted. He used to tell his mom, you think that's a fake chainsaw? You know what? One of them's crazy. They're going to put a blade on that. More notes here from uh, from some of the recaps too about how, how good Ezekiel Elliott looks. And, you know, he's teaching. He's leading. He's showing some of the other backs what to do. Which is really cool. More on the International Pathway Program. Isaac um, Allerson from Monterey, Mexico. He's trying to make the 53-man roster. He wants to move from the practice squad. Never thought he'd be able to make the NFL being in Mexico. Then you get the the IPP, the International Pathway Program. See uh, Trayvon Diggs' son. He's hilarious. Showing up. Showing some workouts, yelling at dad from the from the stands. The mailroom supervisor, Jonathan Jackson, he was so likable. He's a fourth generation Cowboys employee. His dad, his grandfather, and great grandfather before that all worked for the Cowboys, for the Cowboys mail and equipment. And you could tell everybody knows this guy. Everybody loves him. He's really close with Dak. They have a fun bond and they play cards. Dak even says that's Cowboys royalty. Four generations of Jacksons working for the Cowboys. Jaquan Hardy, young running back, 
has some uh, contacts in. He loses one of his contacts during the game, but he doesn't want to come out of the game because he doesn't. He, nobody ever wants to come out, especially when you're young. You want to get these reps. You want to prove yourself. So he he doesn't he misses a couple of balls that are thrown to him. He can't catch them. He comes out. He tells them that he lost his contact, and he says, "I'm one in one." Everybody's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" That's what he was. He made up to to describe having one contact in, one contact out. So yeah, I'm one in one. Like everybody should know what he's saying. <laughs> it was hilarious. They, uh, then he had to wear the goggles. They told him that he looked like a creative player. Three episodes in, I thought episode two and three really started to pick things up a little bit. We'll get to episode four of Hard Knocks next week. Now we're going to hit into the horse racing portion of this uh, episode. We'll hear a little bit about DRF, Stable Duel. Then we'll get into Friday, Saratoga, Del Mar, and Charlestown. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years. Studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf past performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com big weekend racing ahead make sure to get to stableduel.com to check out all of the contests the schedule you could download the app from there or from your phone or your android devices in the the play store your iphone your ipad stable duel is a free app to download you will just pay for the entries for whatever contest that you want to get in. You deposit money right into your account, and you can withdraw right after, just like any uh, ADW, any place that you make wagers. 
they have really upped their game with the contest options, the tracks, all the different styles of games, all the different uh, entry fees for players of all bankrolls. So let's get into the, the contest coming up this weekend. On Friday, Del Mar, Charlestown, Golden Gate, Gulfstream, Monmouth, Ellis. Six different tracks have ten different contests, from five bucks all the way up to a thousand dollar contest, a thousand dollar double up. There's a five dollar entry fee at Golden Gate. We actually have a live stream on Friday, five o'clock p.m. Eastern time, where if you follow me on Twitter, it's me Gino B. Me and a couple other handicappers will take you through the entire Friday Del Mar card. We'll talk about it from a stable duel perspective, horses that we're looking to use in our lineups. And uh, we'll handicap the whole card, go all the way through. On Saturday, August the 28th, you've got five different tracks. Del Mar, Charlestown, Delaware, Gulfstream, Monmouth. Seven different contests, starting at $10, all the way up to $500 entries for the bigger players. The biggest game of the weekend, though, is that $150 entry, $7,500 prize game at Del Mar on Saturday. Then on Sunday, you've got seven tracks. Delmar, Ellis, Emerald, Golden Gate, Gulfstream, Monmouth, Woodbine. Nine contests starting at $5 entry fees all the way up to $500. That is your stable dual schedule for the weekend. Get those entries in and play, race, win. Past performance is out for Friday for Saratoga. One of those New York bread showcase days over at Saratoga on Friday. Let's let's go through a, a lot of the card in race number one, so we're looking at August the 27th, get the past performances out, we're looking at race number one, New York Breads, Maiden Special Weights, five and a half furlongs on the turf course, I did think the 10 open till midnight might be a good place to single right off the bat, he got squeezed just after the start, he took up, he lost momentum, he lost a few lengths, he settled fifth, about five or six lengths off, he really, uh, he angled out, about four wide, and he really got going late, but he was green. He was still kind of jumping around. The blinks will help him. They should focus him a little bit in here. That is open till midnight. Number 10, if you can get anything around, you know, he's 3-1 to one in the morning line. I'll treat him more like an early exotic single. If you can get 5-2 to two or so, that's worthy of a win wager. In the second race at Saratoga, the uh, Miss Aller City is going to be scratched out of here. Nothing really, you know, Groundbreaking to tell you here. November Rain is who I would prefer. Laubin's legacy is going to be tough. Not necessarily one where we're going to make a ton of cash in that race. Third race, I thought the five Yarrow was another spot where you could possibly single. That turf debut was against Open Company, Maiden Special Weights, down at Tampa. The runner-up in that race, Captain Lava, came back to win a Florida Bread Maiden Special Weight next out. There was some early traffic. He was in between horses, Yarrow. He, they grabbed a hold and they took him back to eighth of ten. He moved inside right into traffic. He was waiting behind a tiring rival. He split horses. He angled outside and he got into a nice, you know, a nice stride late. Just missed second there. Yarrow. Race number three, the number five Yarrow. If he's five to two, we'll make a win wager or single or put on top of exotics. We moved to the fourth race. We got the funny side here, six and a half on the main. I thought the four woo hoo, that's me. He's 10 to one on the morning line. His debut, he was second. But what I like about him, and he was second behind uh, the Fusky Island who's in this race. And I think the Fusky Island's got a shot too. I wouldn't I wouldn't talk you off using that one. But it feels like there's going to be a lot of speed in here. And I like that Woohoo That's Me had a slowish start. He made a three-wide move up to challenge, and he just couldn't go on with the leader who got the jump on him. He couldn't go off with the winner who got the jump on him. 
He was a clear-cut second. He can sit and he can pass. Woo-hoo, that's me. If he's anything around 5-1, to one, we'll make a win wager. Use along with the 8. Let's skip to race number 7. This is the Fleet Indian $200,000 New York Breds. Uh, mile and an eighth on the main track. But the nine make mischief. Oh, yeah, this is just one of the... Uh, one of the chalky races, not like a play for me. Eight to five on the morning line. Make mischief's going to be really tough coming out of some of those races. So yeah, I won't be playing a whole lot in there, but that's just the the real horse to beat. But after that, got a couple bigger prices in the eighth, ninth, and tenth that we I think we could take a swing on. In the eighth, the West Point mile and a sixteenth on the turf course. The four micro second. In a bad start on the inside last time out. And that was against Open Company. His last four starts have been against Open Company. He's back in with New York Breds here today. He was inside. He drew the rail. And the horse in the two stall ended up dropping the rider and was running in the two path. It forced this guy to check badly. Pushed him right into the hedge. He ended up in the fourth flight. Way behind horses Just was never able to make up any ground Because he was just stuck waiting behind He was 8th, he was about 7 off, he was buried He tried to move inside but he just never got a seam Mike Rowe 2nd Who is 10-1 to on the morning line If he's anything around 6 We're going to make a win wager Toss him into some of your late exotics We move to the ninth race The Albany, mile and an 8th on the main The 1 It's a gamble Now, he's only been on the dirt twice one of them, he was well beaten at Aqueduct. But his last start at Monument that was taken off the turf, that's the one that kind of jumps out to me. He's been facing open company in, in all of those recent stakes. Now he's in with New York Breds. And the way this race shapes up, going the mile in an eighth, it looks like there are a lot of horses who are going to be pretty close to it early on. You'd imagine Bobby Bow is going to be right there. Anejo won't be too far out of it. Joey Loose Lips isn't going to be too far out of it. You've got American Revolution, who's not going to be too far out of it. Purple Hearted won't be too far out of this. Wouldn't be shocked to see Bingo John putting some pressure on. If it's a gamble, can just settle from the inside. The distance shouldn't be an issue, and I don't really think the, the surface is either. Hopefully, he gets the trip inside. It's a gamble. Who is 12-1 to on the morning line. We had him pegged more like a 6-1 to shot in here. Anything over that, worthy of a win wager. We move to the 10th. The Yotto, it feels like Pecatonia's just kind of turned the corner and improved a little bit. Pecatonia was fourth most recently. It was too deep early on in that race. It was a couple lengths off. She made a three-wide bid at the top of the lane. was right up on even terms with the the leaders. She tried. She just she seems to be improving. That was against Open Company. The last two were against Open Company. Last time she was in with New York Bread, she won. She beat a field that looked a lot like this. She can go to the lead, but she can sit and pass horses if she has to. Pecatonia. The number 8, 12-1 on the morning line. Anything around 8-1 to one or so feels fair. We'll also use along with the 2, 3, and 6 in some of your exotics there. That is Friday over at Saratoga on a really fun New York bread showcase day. You can see... I found some opportunities, I think, to get to at least find some prices, right? Who knows if they're going to win or not, but some days you can't find 8 or 10 to 1 shots. Those are the days I don't like. Hey, if I if I love a horse and they run dead last, I don't mind. But I, at least I want to be able to find some. And we did on Friday. Hopefully we can uh, we can get a few of them home for you. Let's get over to Del Mar. Full card for Del Mar Friday. Let's rattle through it. 
And we'll start in race number one, $32,000 claimers. We're looking at August the 27th, mile and a 16th on the turf course. The two Lavender owns a win at a mile on the turf. Goes first off the claim for Yakteen, stretches out from sprints. Gets some pace to chase in here. She was down on the inside going five furlongs. She's about seven lengths off. She was two from the, the back, and she started to make up some ground, but she ran into traffic. She wasn't going to win that race, but she might have been a couple lengths better, and you just get a much better running line. There for Lavender Let's give her a shot in here today Others in here that I thought were interesting um, Obviously the four so much happy might be the quickest But does look like there's a couple speeds So Zavaba I actually prefer more it, She's act, she's not even a stone cold closer She's in great form She goes second off the short break Really good first off the claim barn in Mulhall With a couple projected early speeds To set it up for Zavaba Item 2, 5, 8 And then 4 Too much heaven Bill Spar off the claim Horse who has some speed but can sit off a little bit And the four might just be the uh, the fastest of them here That is race one at Del Mar We move to the second I, I don't know who passes horses in here I, I think it'll be the one Mama Superior She might have enough positional speed To break well Put herself in a good spot And then just kind of grind, grind, grind And fall into it She ran into a horse named Samurai Charm last time out Who's won four races in a row and Mama Superior ran into traffic going into the turn, was squeezed out of a spot in between horses, and it just wasn't an easy trip. Got shuffled back to last, chasing lone speed samurai. Mama Superior. Hopefully she can just save ground from the inside. I'm looking for horses to pass in here because Northern Gem, that's why I lean to using Northern Gem also. Proven at Del Mar coming off that win last time out. Ilapani, who stretches out, but I don't think she's going to be close to the lead. She's Kind of just a grinder that picks up pieces And then the four Morning Addiction Might be the quickest But with Morning Addiction, with Red Nova With Flatter with Jewels, with American Bourbon With Flat Out Joy I felt like they'd be going pretty quick early on That's why I'm looking for a horse like Mama Superior To maybe save some ground from the inside And tuck in right behind them I have them stacked One, two, three, four In race number two at Del Mar on Friday as we move to the third race here, we've got 10,000 claimers going a mile on the main track. Uh, I did think T-Bone's trick. He just won last time out against a lot of these from the rail. And he drew that rail last time out. He was inside. He's about eight lengths off, and he was in some traffic. The leader ran off by six. T-Bone's trick stayed to the inside. He angled around three wide and in between horses. It was a pretty easy W. He gets a lot of pace to chase. He's honest. He's consistent. He's proven at Del Mar. I think you just go right back to him. T-Bones Trick trying to put two together in here. Really consistent horse as of late. We move along to race number four. I like Astronomer in this spot. Uh, Oviat class would not shock me at all. Flying Drummers, the one they'll all have to beat. He was just behind Montebello. And he was gaining on Montebello. But Astronomer, he's going to add the blinkers on today. And what I he's gonna have the blinks. What I like, he's got that mile experience. He's a half sibling to a horse named Harvest Moon. It's a four time winner on the dirt, multiple graded stakes winner going long on the dirt. Another one of his siblings named Mister Impossible has also won going long on the dirt. So I have zero concerns about him being you know good on the dirt. He's trained well in the mornings at Del Mar. He got some action in that debut. And he was he's kind of shifting around late and. He looked a little bit green I think the blinkers will really help him here Drew the rail Going long 
on the turf He had a good start, he was close up inside He was tucked in and then he got shuffled a bit And he just wasn't as good as the top few But I think you get a lot of experience out of that race The number 3, Astronomer I like in here Flying Drummer and Oviat Class are the others uh, That I would expect to run well In the 5th race We move to uh, $32,000 claimers Non-2s, mile and 16th on the turf course I thought the 2 Avagali was one to use in the, the May 31st race. Was bumped hard on both sides, lost footing, and that was off a two year layoff. Last out, kind of slowish, took back to second last, was 10 lengths off, was traveling really well and wanted to go, but no room, was trapped uh, and had to tap on the brakes and just got a brutal, brutal trip. I think the two is going to run a lot better on the drop in here. I have it. Pretty formful item stack two over Steak and cheese who's probably going to sit in a really Good spot and, and be tough to, to run down And then the nine um, Constant conflict who's another Will be forwardly placed and probably the one they'll, they'll have to catch early Toss the last race, didn't get out of the gate But likely the most quick in here Two over six nine In the fifth at Del Mar We move to race number six, this is the Tranquility Lake going a mile on the main About the number five First star should get a a fantastic setup the way this race shapes up on paper. Looks like Miss Stormy D is going to be um, forwardly placed in here. You'd imagine that Nasty is going to be on the engine. Harper's Gallop wants to be close, and then because Paige Ann draws the inside and she's you know coming out of a, a Grade One where she ran pretty well, I wouldn't be shocked if they try to get a little aggressive with her and go. And then you look at this field, and it, and it leaves really Miss Bigley and First Star. And Miss Bigley is nice. She's got the speed and the positional speed to kind of put herself in a good spot, but she can sit, she can pass. Maybe she lets the two to the inside go, the outside rival go, and she could sit a nice fourth. Coming out of races behind Crystal Ball and Vui Taunt, this is major class relief for her. But first star, this is the first time since February of 2020 that she's been able to put races together. And Ron Ellis's horses are starting to run well now at this meet after what's been a really you know struggle 2021 as far as winning races. She loves Del Mar. She gets pace to chase. She's the real one true closer in the field. The number five first star I'll use along with the three, Miss Bigley. Let's flip to race number seven. We've got five furlongs, turf course, maiden special eight, three-year-olds and up. Gregory's pride, I think, should run really well. The, the rail draw concerns me. He had a fast start, but he couldn't cross over. And then he loomed up. He came on again. He took a big shot. Um... You know, at the leaders, but he faded late. That was his first start since January. He's the one to beat. This barn is starting to really warm up. He's just gonna have to work out a little bit of a trip from the rail. Go on should improve getting onto the turf. Dam was a, a multiple winner on the turf course. Aurelian Man ran well last time out. I was kind of expecting him to show more speed. He just wasn't really asked for speed, and he did have some legitimate trouble. One four seven. Nothing really too creative for me. In the 7th at Del Mar As we move to the 8th and final This race I mean there are going to be a bunch of 5 to 1 shots in here If you told me You like the 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 I wouldn't shock you The inside horses I, you know, I'd have to make a little bit You'd have to maybe get a little more creative I'll look at the uh, the First time starter for Mar Glatt Dreamed It Whose damn won twice uh, Was a small stakes winner at Emerald She's produced 4 foals so far All 4 of them won one of them was named Ankeny Hill, who is a $318,000 earner and a stakes winner. Another one's named 
Sequentially, who is a 10-time winner who earned 250000 I think Dreamed It is going to run really well in here. And then, I mean, good luck. Anybody else. Sir Flatter should enjoy a little more distance. Sirocco, I think, kind of intriguing. Second time against Claimers and, and the Blinkers off. Probably the one they'll all have to catch in here. Could be tough on the, the turn back. Cutting back a little bit if you get the lead. Proud veterans got some pace, drops in class for new connections. First time gelding comes out of some much tougher races. I mean, money back wouldn't shock the first timer there. Doncic, you Luca Mavs fans with the blinkers on there for Ronis and Sadler on the drop. They claim this horse for a hundred thousand though, and now in for thirty-two. Safe combination. Wouldn't shock. Pick your pony in race number eight. For me, it's going to be dreamed it. I had six, five, four as sort of my top tier. And then, you know, depending on how deep you want to go or others you'd like to use underneath. That is Friday over at Del Mar. We're going to get to Charlestown in just a moment because it's Charlestown Classic Night on Friday night. Before we do, I want to let you know about our friends over at sarahcandles.com. Those all-natural soy wax candles. They're free from toxins, carcinogens, pollutants. If you know any friends or family members or if you yourself likes candles, try these candles out at sarahcandles.com. They're, they're better for you. They're the same great kind of scent, but the wax that they use is going to burn longer it's going to be affordable for you. It's going to be healthier for you. And you'll get a little bit of a, a bonus. You'll save a few bucks with the promo code GINO. Gets you 10% off your purchase. Promo code GINO gets you 10% off your purchase. Get the past performances out for Charlestown Friday night. So Chucktown has an all-stakes pick six. Starting in race eight. And these these are some legitimate stakes races. So you've got the 8th race at Charlestown on Friday, August the 27th. It's uh, the 7 furlong Misty Bennett Pink Ribbon. Lady Rocket's going to be tough in there. Uh, Queen Nakia wouldn't shock the 10-time winner. I like Ava's Charm a little bit, who's 8-1 to one on the morning line. She's going to go second start off the long, long layoff. She used to run in the Baffert Barn. And she showed some ability out here. Look who she ran behind in a couple of her races. CC, who we're going to see uh, over the weekend at, at Saratoga against Grade 1 Company. That's a multiple Grade 1 winner, CC. Last time out, Chubb Wagon was the, the one who beat her. Chubb Wagon is 8 for 9 with a second. There's not a lot of other early speed in here, and she's actually flashed some. I wouldn't be shocked if the game plan is to just try to get aggressive and, and take this race. Second off the bench, second time new barn. Let's go with Ava's Charm. If she's anything around 4 to 1, we make a win wager there. We move to Charlestown's ninth race, and it is the... $150,000 Robert Hilton Memorial 7 furlongs the distance here. You've got Helium, who ran in the Kentucky Derby. Your Tampa Bay Derby winner, he's in this spot. You've got Moonlight Strike. Stakes placed in the last couple. But I'm going to go to Scarred. Scarred ran into Folsom a couple starts back. Now, Folsom has won four of his last five, including a couple grade threes. He uh, Scarred also ran into Mr. Wireless, who won the Indiana Derby and the West Virginia Derby, both grade threes. Superstock was fourth in that Texas Derby. Superstock came back to win the Ellis Park Derby. I think Scarred has been keeping some pretty good company and kind of sneaky, a little under the radar here. 10 to 1 on the morning line. Anything around 5 feels fair. That's We had Scarred stacked a lot more like a 5 to 1 shot in here. We move to race number 10. We've got the $150,000 Russell Road. Seven furlongs the distance. You've got Shooter Shoot, who was second in the grade two triple bend two starts back. And then he drew the rail in the Bing Crosby. That was a much tougher race. He was 40 to one that day. He just was able to sort of pass some, some tired horses late. That was his 
first start in a couple months. He puts two together now. He comes out here, and he used to be a, a really quick horse. And now he's turned into more of a late-running sprinter. This is a good spot for him because he's got a little versatility to him also. Boca Chica jumps aboard. Shooters shoot is 5-1 to one on the morning line. If he's anything around 7-2, to two, we'll make a win wager. I also like Savvy on the slight turn back. Look at some of the races that Savvy's come out of. You see Hembry, Aurelius Maximus, Yaupon, Gunnett, who came out of that race to win. A lot of pace in this race could set up nicely for these two. You see War, Toxin, Arthur's Hope, Vertical Threat, Wind of Change. I think combinations of all of them will likely be showing some speed. Even Fu Manchu to the outside. We're looking at Shooter's Shoot, the number three, along with two, six, and seven in race number 10 at Charlestown. We move to the two graded stakes races on the Friday card at Charlestown. And in race number three, or in race number 11, it is the Charlestown Oaks. I thought Pauline's Pearl fits well in here. She finished third in the Iowa Oaks behind Army Wife, who actually came back and ran a really nice third in the Alabama. And Pauline's Pearl just got crossed over on early, and she ended up fifth of fifth of six, about five, six off. She was in the two path. It was a fine third. She's going to go second off the short break now. And she cuts back with some pace to chase. I sort of like the, the layout of this track for her too. I think she'll take to it well. Pauline's Pearl hopes they go quick. Tries to come and run them down late. The number three. She's three to one on the morning line. If she's around five to two, we'd make a win wager. Maybe we use her as more of like a late exotic single. And in the 12th, it is the Charlestown Classic. We'll likely see some speed from the inside from Warriors Charge. And some others in here who have the potential to press. Rushy shouldn't be too far out of it. New York Traffic and Sleepy Eyes Todd. They'll probably be in the mix early on. I think Restrained Vengeance, who's been running on the grass recently, is a sneaky horse to use in here. His dirt form is actually pretty good. He was beaten a neck in uh, the Grade 3 Long Acres Mile. He won stakes races at Sunland, Zia, and Albuquerque. And he proved he's... He's got class with the horses that he competed with on the turf. I mean, look at Mo Forza, Whisper Not, Smooth Like Strake. He's not too far behind. He's beating Neptune Storm. And Eddie Reed behind United and Smooth Like Straight. So from a class standpoint, he can keep up with legitimate horses. And it feels like, you know, Art Corrector, Art Collector, Warriors Charge, Rushy, Sleepy Eyes Todd, New York Traffic. We get combinations of all of them forwardly placed in here. And restrained vengeance coming from off the pace in the Charlestown Classic. He's 10 to 1 on the morning line. If we get anything around 6 to 1, we'll make a win wager. We'll also use restrained vengeance along with the 3 and the 8. You know, some years the, the Charlestown Classic is good and the Charlestown Oaks are good. These undercard stakes races are legitimate. They offer they offer pretty big money and and some quality horses shipped in. I'll be firing away on Friday night over at Charlestown. We will turn the page to Saturday now. And we were very lucky to have join us to talk about some of the Saturday Saratoga card. David Aragona, track, uh, track odds maker. Track announcer. <laughs> Not the track announcer. The uh, the man who makes the morning line there over at the NYRA. Does some stuff for Timeform US. The podcast you've heard. Work for DRF. Um, all sorts of different things. And David's an excellent handicapper. So we talked with him about races 9, 10, 11, and 12 on the Saratoga Saturday card. Those are all four grade one races. They have some monster 
horses in there, some really big stars. We'll go through the interview with David, and then following that, I'm going to go through all the graded stakes races on the card. I'll talk about you know races 4, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, just kind of recap and give you my selections there. So first up, we spent about 30 minutes talking uh, Saratoga, Saturday, races 9, 10, 11, and 12 with David Aragona. Huge Saturday of racing coming up at Saratoga, and we've been very lucky on that's what G said podcast. Whenever there's a big day going on in New York, we uh, were able to uh, get the bat signal out for David Aragona, the man who makes the morning line over there in the NYRA, and he's joined us many times here on that's what G said to preview big days, and we've got a big one coming up this weekend, Saratoga Saturday. We have. 13 races on the card, seven graded stakes races, six grade ones. You've got the Travers, Gamine, and uh, some of the top Philly and Mare sprinters. You got the top male sprinters, Life is Good, Jackie's Warrior, Drain the Clock matchup. You got Latruska, Swiss Skydiver, the top turf distance males, essential quality. David joins us, the man who makes the morning line. It is a loaded Saturday, David. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. I mean, whether you're a fan of betting the races or just a fan of the sport, there's a lot to sink your teeth into on this card. A lot of exciting matchups, especially in those grade one races. And uh, the first graded stakes race is the fourth with the Boston Spa there. The uh, seventh race is a grade one. It's the Ballerina. We're going to talk about the ninth through twelfth a little bit, but... I mean, is there any I, – I couldn't find a way Gamine got beat in there. just didn't seem like there was a whole lot of pace pressure, and I think that's probably the way you have to beat her if maybe a couple others can take it to her early. She seems like she's going to be really tough in the ballerina. Yeah, I took a small shot against her there. Just to my eye, she hasn't looked quite no, as you're right. as she did yeah. last year. The speed figures just aren't as stratospheric as they were in 2020. So, I mean, she's got that big pace advantage, as you said. But I thought Cece looked really good last time she winning did. the Princess Rooney, and she has trained so well out of that race. So I think if there is an upset, it's going to be her. And I thought she'd be a decent enough price that you could take a shot. Connections seem to really think that she's just not quite as good in California at Santa Anita, too. They, they've mentioned that a few times that she just doesn't seem to do her best running there. And I think you can see that she seemed like she really flourished in that uh, Princess Rooney. So, yeah, that's the seventh race, the grade one ballerina. The eighth race on the card is the grade one four go where you're going to see some of the best sprinters. And then when we talk about uh, sprinters. We've got a good matchup in the ninth race, which is the the Jerkins, the Allen Jerkins. It's a grade one. It's uh, not the biggest field in the world, but we have three legitimate animals in here. We'll start with Jackie's Warrior, who, you know, Jackie's Warrior was so good at two. And I think it was pretty simple with him. He just didn't really want to go far. He, he didn't really want to go. And they, they continue to try to stretch him out distance wise. He's come back this year and been excellent when he's been in one turn situations and sprint situations. And. You know, you put him with Drain the Clock, who they've, uh, you know, had a nice little rivalry in their last two. And you got the polarizing, undefeated, life is good now in the Pletcher barn. This is, uh, you know, three quality three-year-olds in here. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's not the most captivating wagering race, but just from a standpoint of being a fan of these horses and watching this sprint division develop, I'm really interested to see how this race shakes out and later in the year, how these three-year-olds stack up against the older horses that we're going to see in the forego one race earlier. But Jackie's Warrior, I love that they've made the decision to just focus on the sprint races, the one-turn races this year. And it seems like he's really blossomed in his last three starts. If you're a Time Form US user, I mean, and you're a fan of the pace figures that 
that my uh, colleague Craig Milkowski makes. I mean, this horse just has red splashed all over his past performances, indicating that he's been in a bunch of fast paced races coming into this. So I think he's already battle hardened and ready for what he's likely to encounter on Saturday. And like you, I'm most intrigued to see what we get from life is good because he's the biggest wild card in this race. I mean, he's been a pure speedball in all his prior races, but he's never faced a horse as fast as Jackie's warrior. So is he going to rate or is he the kind of horse that can go 21, 43 on the front end? I don't think we yet know that about him. You're absolutely right. He's just a total wild card, like X factor in here. And what is kind of interesting, there's actually two horses in this race that were once in the care of Bob Baffert that are now in the care of Todd Pletcher following C for Pletcher is also in here. You know, he's, a horse who has been capable of throwing up a really big one on his his best day, but it, it's just going to be fascinating to me how this race shapes up. I think Todd Pletcher was quoted in the DRF in one of the articles just saying, "Yeah, it's going to really be a rider's race because we just don't know what t- type of tactics to expect from Life Is Good here against." Some really fast horses like Drain the Clock. Can he keep up with them? Or is he going to be three lengths off, maybe from the outside, kind of try to track? You could really tell me anything. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of depends on what life is good the horse wants to do because, you know, Mike Smith is not the kind of rider that's going to fight his mount and kind of bend him to his own will. So, I mean, if life is good does possess that kind of speed, and he really may, uh, it could be a fight on the front end with Jackie's Warrior. We'll see. I've got to imagine they're committed to going to the front with Jackie's Warrior just based on the fact that he's already done that in the past and run some huge efforts. So I'm interested in how how it shakes out because, oddly enough, even though there's a six-horse field with some speed, there's no closer in this race no. that you would point to to say could pick up the pieces so it really just could be a war on the front end yeah it just could be a battle and then not necessarily a stagger fest but just the like war of attrition there um drain the clock you know he's no slouch i just i think the the draw for him could be really really tough with just everybody breathing down his neck i think they're gonna have to either deal with a ton of pace pressure to the outside and be much the best or Try to like take back and come around I don't know if that's gonna if that would work best And it, it did really seem like The difference between the, the the you know the Woody Stevens And the Amsterdam was just I think he may Have gotten the benefit of you know Been able to wear Jackie's warrior down Because of being on the outside of him that day yeah, I'm not a drain-the-clock guy. I thought that he got really fortunate to win the Woody Stevens when Jackie's mm-hmm. Warrior had that trouble that drain-the-clock actually caused right yeah. after the start. And, I mean, he was no match for him last time. I actually think the third horse in this race is following C because sure. he looked so good, too, back. And I get why they took a shot in the Haskell last time. That was just not the right spot for him. And this is what he wants to do. And I don't think I really know what kind of talent he possesses yet. So this is a real acid test for him. But I'm not going to be surprised if he runs a big race, too. And he's got a lot of speed At the very least he could be right up in the mix Making the, the pace difficult Or making things harder on any of them Who who are forwardly placed This is, you're right, it's not You're not going to probably get necessarily rich Just betting on this race But from a good horses Kind of where they stack up And, and moving forward This is one of the more intriguing races of, of the weekend to me Because I'm really curious to see what kind of life is good we get show up here And uh, it, this has been a battle That we've been kind of hearing for a little while That these two horses were pointing to this race And um, so I'm very curious A fun ninth race in the Jerkins With a, a couple excellent three-year-old sprinters here We'll see if it's Jackie's Warrior Or maybe life is good um, On the uh, on the barn change For a, a, a big uh, last few months Of 2021 Let's move to the personal ensign We'll go a mile and an eighth with the Phillies and Mayors, four-year-olds and upwards. And 
it's it's really fascinating to think if we would have you know talked about Latruska six eight months ago, we would have said yeah she's a she's a nice mayor, but you just would have never kind of had her in this sort of category quality, and she has just been awesome. She's like answered every single test. She she's one of the few sort of old school. Kind of horses, you know, she's fast You know, she wants to be forwardly placed If for some reason somebody else goes She can sit off a little bit I just, I've I'm, I'm been so impressed with her You know, whether you bet her or not She's just an inc- had an incredible season And, you know, a lot of people probably assumed This was going to be a big, you know, Swiss skydiver Monomoy girl year And it for Swiss skydiver Talk about two animals who have had Completely opposite years She's just, for whatever reason not been able to get to the races a whole ton Had some issues and uh, Maybe she's rounding back into form This feels like a nice spot for her to, to fire a, a big shot if she still has some of her best in there Yeah I mean Latruska It's like how can you not be a fan of her She's been such a pleasant <laughs> surprise I mean I remember going all the way back to when she Made her US continental Debut in that uh Caribbean classic mm-hmm. art at Gulfstream And the connections were saying after that Oh we've got aspirations of trying graded stakes In this country and I remember everybody was just kind of like Oh good luck to her yeah, she's got no chance on. And yeah. then she's she's just turned Into a monster like you said she's answered Every question and I think the really important Thing with her is since they made that Decision after the bell game when she just ran off On the lead to take the blinkers off She's just transformed into a Completely different horse she doesn't run off In the lead anymore she relaxes on the front End she's much more versatile she can finish off her races uh she could even rate a little bit even though she lost that race to she dares the devil in the azari she ran a nice race that day coming from just off the pace so she's got so many more gears now that they were able to get her to relax and her last three races have just been excellent and anybody who wants to beat her in this race is really gonna have to step up swiss skydiver would probably be the other one you look at and um yeah you just she faced the boys last time out she ran into nick's go who when when he gets cruising on the front end he's tough um, I, you know, a- after Swiss Skydiver and Latruska, you know, is is there anyone else in here you, that you would think, fr- from a class standpoint, on her best day, Swiss Skydiver is definitely good enough to win this race? Do you think that about any of these other runners in here? D- could could anyone step up and beat these two with a really really good performance? No, I agree with you. I think if there is an upset, it's most likely to be Swiss Skydiver. I mean, she's got those races in her that can beat Latruska. We just haven't seen them in her last couple of starts. Arguably, we haven't seen one since she won the Preakness last year. So you kind of wonder where she stands. And, you know, there's been a lot of reporting about how the preparation hasn't been ideal for her uh, having to go to the Whitney, which wasn't what they originally wanted to do. But it's not like she ran that badly in that race, as you said. So uh, she, she definitely has the ability to get it done. We'll just see what kind of performance we get from her uh you know a couple other horses i would mention the number two as time goes by uh i would imagine she's going to run a lot better than she did last time at delmar i don't think bob baffert would be sending her to this race Mm -hmm. if he didn't expect that she's trained much better out of that performance and i also wouldn't be surprised if mike smith breaking from the inside gets a little aggressive with this one i mean she ran her best race previously when they put her on the lead and the fact that she's breaking inside of latruska i could see them trying to maybe if not get to the lead apply a little bit pressure head Towards that clubhouse turn And then the other horse that's kind of a wild card That I don't know what to do with Is the number 8 Harvey's Little Goyle Who's been mostly on the turf But she is grade 1 quality And she's run well on the dirt in the past I don't know if she's quite this good on the main track But it's definitely interesting That they're choosing to go this route Totally agree If you're looking for a horse That's that's going to be a a fair price 
I think she would be the one other that I would look at in this race, other than Latruska and Swiss Skydiver. And you're right, like from a pure class standpoint, she's she's classy. I mean, she was right there with some of the absolute best in the Philly and Mir turf, some quality, quality runners. So I don't think class is the issue. And yeah, maybe she's a little better on the turf than she is on the, the dirt. It's just I wonder if if the kind of trip. She would get, you know, maybe they, she gets a little bit outrun by some of these like legitimate dirt horses that can go fast right now, where she's been maybe like loping along a little bit more um, in some of her her grass races. But Sayas is an interesting fit for her because if anyone can sort of wake a horse up and, and get him a little aggressive, it's him. She does sort of feel like you use the the right word, kind of wild card, because it. You know, wouldn't shock me to see uh, Swiss Skydiver and Latruska in here. But of the other horses, from a, from like a betting standpoint, if I really wanted to play them, Harvey's Little Goyle would be one that I I wouldn't probably talk people off of and and thinking, yeah, maybe she's got she can she can bounce back and and show she's better now on the dirt than when she was on the dirt before. Yeah, I mean, she actually ran a nice race in the Alabama last year, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure that she even wants to go 10 furlongs on the turf, so 10 furlongs on the main track was really demanding for her, and she made a good run at Swiss Skydiver from pretty far back before Bonnie South beat her for second, but I think that effort alone shows that she does handle the dirt, and she's arguably gotten better since then, so she's interesting. I didn't pick her on top. I've got her somewhere on the mix underneath, but I'm not going to be surprised if she runs a big race. That is uh, race 10 We'll see if Latruska can continue along As that at the top of that uh, That billion mare older division We move along to the sword dancer We're going to go distance turf here With four year olds and up mile and a half On the turf course So we do have a, an interesting New face in Japan coming in for Aiden O'Brien uh, We have the, uh, the Saratoga monster Cross border who just loves to win at Saratoga You've got um, channel maker who threw in a clunker In the first start back from Dubai Last time out may have some other pace to deal with In here Moretti tries the grass for the first time Gufo maybe a little bit intriguing Tribubin's going to show some speed There's not like a doesn't feel like a, a standout in this race And maybe you know different directions that you can go um, No no real This was probably one of the better more kind of Wide open races I think on, on A lot of these stakes races on Saturday Yeah, I think it's kind of like a crossroads race for a lot of these horses because you've got some that are steady, like cross-border. You've got some that are a little bit on the downswing, like maybe Japan falls into that category. Channel Maker definitely does. Rock Emperor a little bit, too. And then you've got those that are on the upswing, like Tribuvan, obviously, and Gufo. Uh, So we'll see who takes another step forward in this race or who goes backwards. Personally, I'm a huge fan of Tribuvan. I just love horses like this that run these marathon turf races by opening up on the front end, going fast, making the other horses catch them. He, he's got like a little bit of precious passion in him, although he doesn't go quite that fast. Um, but I thought his United Nations last time was a really nice effort. Yeah. I was kind of skeptical about the quality of that field going in, but coming out of it, we've seen horses return from that United Nations to run really big at a variety of circuits. Um, the fourth place finisher served, served the King, came back and won the John's Call at Saratoga. Yeah. Uh, Glynn County, who was fifth, came back and was a good third in the Miss Mr. D behind two Emmys and domestic spending a couple weeks ago. So horses have come out of that race and run really well. And Tribavan just feels like one that since they gelded him and changed his running style, he's just a different horse. And I wonder if at this stage of his career, he might just be better than this field. And he will be uh, forwardly placed from the inside. No doubt about it. We'll see if Gufo with sort of the, the dropping class, get the wake up win, maybe kind of figure things out, get that light bulb to go back on again. And remember, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, you know, you're going to get a wicked turn from him. You mentioned Japan. Yeah. He's interesting just because he, 
he's probably not at his best right now. Uh, and he's probably not quite as good going as long. Like he has some capable races. This might be a little bit more than than where he's at his best, but he does come out of some pretty strong races. And if there's no monsters in here, if nobody shows up, like or and if the pace is is not tribute on 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 the runoff. He wouldn't shock me even with sort of like a B plus game because this, like you said, this is a, a kind of an interesting group for a, a, a grade one. There's some quality in here, but it feels more like a, a grade two where you have a couple horses that might be grade call one quality that can kind of jump up into there. Yeah, for me, once I get past Tribavan, Japan is really the only other horse that I want in this race. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got some nice form over in Europe. Uh, and like you said, he he's probably not at, as good as he was when he was a three-year-old or maybe even a, as a four-year-old last year. But he's run some decent races in his recent starts. And it's hard to know where he really fits from a distance standpoint because he won that mile in an eighth race. But he was also very competitive actually winning going a mile in 11-16. So for a really nice stay or true. Uh, going back to the uh, beginning of this year. So I think the mile and a half is okay for him. I wonder if getting on firm ground is what's going to be the, the key to him. Maybe that's what is going to mm-hmm. wake him up again. Uh, but if he's a decent price in this race, uh, he's one that I could use. Yeah, you could go back to Racing Post and look at some of those horses from the uh, the, the grade two and ask Scott the group two in, in that race. I mean, that was a loaded group between Wonderful Tonight, who won a group two out of that next out. Broom won a group one next out out of that. Third place finisher won a group three next out. Fourth place finisher hasn't run back. The fifth place finisher finished third in a group two, then second in a group one. Japan was the sixth place finisher, and he won next out out of there. And the seventh place finisher won a group two next out. That's like as key of a key race as you could possibly find. Not a bad spot for him. Uh, I agree with you. I, I I want him on a lot of my tickets. I want Tribuvin also on a lot of my tickets. I might give Gufo a little bit of a look, too. It's kind of quirky. Maybe he can figure things out a little in uh, a competitive Sword Dancer we move to The the feature the big one On Travers Saturday it is the grade One Travers and again You know just every time essential quality Runs he's always worth giving a, a Lot of respect to because He just is a racehorse he shows Up he's wins in different ways His only poor performance was in the derby He was beaten a length that day and little Went a little wide and he just he Figures it out he seems like in, you know he's he's definitely a very good three year old. It, it's funny because he doesn't just dominate on speed figures either. He's not like he doesn't overwhelm them, but he's just a a good good racehorse. He's got a couple others in here that are interesting. So what do you think of essential quality uh, in this spot and and you know as overall and then from a gambling perspective. Oh, he's way the horse to beat. And I mean, what you say is true. He's not the flashiest horse. He's never going to win by five lengths, but he just gets it done. And you know, he did run that big speed faker in the Belmont. That That's the kind of number that we haven't seen uh, for many past years in the Belmont. Uh, one of the faster belt runnings of that race that, that we've experienced in a while. So, I mean, that's a feather in his cap. But he came back in the gym dandy and just did what he had to do. We got the job done. He was wide around all the turns. So I, I do think that was a better victory than it appears. But I mean, just the visual of that race, you kind of get the sense that this horse knew where the wire was. I mean, his his ears went up once he got past the uh, the horse to his inside mask parade. And then once uh, Keep Me In Mind challenged him late, he kind of reengaged and put that horse away. So uh, I think he's the most likely winner of this race. But just the fact that he always keeps it so close you have to wonder how short a price you really want to take on him. Uh, I do think he's going to be somewhere in that three to five to four to five range. And while he, he definitely is the most talented member of this field, 
I don't know if I want to take a horse at that short of a price that probably is going to win by a half a length or a length. So I, I think that it's reasonable to have a desire to take a shot against him. Midnight Bourbon um, draws the inside, and you'd imagine they're going to go probably the the natural, naturally the most quick in this field. You get the inside draw. Santana jumps aboard. We have to always wonder with a horse like this when you you clip heels and you fall, how will they respond? But he it wasn't as if he took a long time to come back to work, and he's worked pretty steadily since. Do you have any concerns about? The incident with him last time out And what do you think about Midnight Bourbon Maybe trying to steal it in this spot uh, I actually picked Midnight Bourbon in this race I think yeah. that he's a real danger To take them all the way on the front end Because like you said From the rail draw You have to imagine the plan is going to be For Steve Asperson and Ricardo Santana To send this horse to the front He's yep. done some of his best racing in the past When they've been aggressive with him And speed has been really good at Saratoga Especially in these two-turn dirt routes So that's where I'd want to be On the lead setting the pace in this Travers And he's got the speed to do it And I mean he actually stayed on his feet In the Haskell somehow uh, when he clipped heels, Paco Lopez took a tumble, but Midnight Bourbon didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he was able to stay on his feet there. So I'm not too worried about the fact that uh, that he had that incident last time. It seems like he's trained well out of that race. And I liked his effort in the Preakness two back. That was a fast pace. And I mean, Ron Bauer was, I guess, a little better that day, but he got a perfect trip, whereas Midnight Bourbon was battling it out on the front end. So I still think this horse is a little bit underrated coming into this. And he might be the second choice, but he's going to be a distant second choice. So I still think he'll be play a playable price midnight bourbon trying to uh, steal it from the inside i think you know a couple other talented horses in here like keep me in mind um has you know woke back up with a couple nice performances in his his last few that were better than some of his earlier three-year-old races mass parade seems to be nice and sort of on, on the improve i think one horse that's a little intriguing to me um and i don't know if he can win because we just talked about the way the race shapes up there's not on paper, I don't know if there's going to be a real contested pace in here. Maybe Midnight Bourbon goes, and then you have a couple that could be up pressing. Uh, King Fury's a little intriguing to me at like a big price underneath because you can kind of just toss out the turf experiment last time out. At, at Thistle Down in the Ohio Derby, he did have some legitimate trouble uh, to kind of trap behind horses, and he had to wait. Mask Parade was able to get the jump on him. His His dirt form at three... You know, those races on the main in the slop and then the Ohio Derby, they're not awful. And maybe he's got a little bit of upside on the dirt still to him. Um, he was a horse who I, I thought maybe had a shot to, to kind of spice things up underneath in some of the exotics. Is, is there anyone else uh, sort of like pricier of the longer shots that you thought could maybe hit the board in here? Yeah, I mean, I... For me, it was mostly about the two inside runners, but I did pick King Fury, King Fury third, actually. I think mm -hmm. he's the most interesting of the bigger prices for a lot of the reasons that you said. I, I do worry a little bit that the Ken McPeak barn after that quarantine, they, they've yeah. been a little bit cold. A lot of the horses haven't been delivering. So you just wonder if maybe they're still a little behind the eight ball in that stable, but he's going to be a price in this race. So uh, I would use him underneath and I'm not going to talk anybody off this horse. He does have some back races that are appealing, but I mean, it's not like anybody's totally out of this race. I mean, no. keep me in mind was right there last time. I know that he's not a horse that wins, but he he's training well and he's constantly stepping forward. Dynamic one. I don't know how strong I think the Curlin was as a race, but he won it 
it pretty easily. Miles D still has upside. Uh, Mask Parade, I mean, we talked about how Midnight Bourbon is going to be on the front end most likely, and there's not a whole lot of speed. Mask Parade is really the only other horse in this race that has the tactical speed to get close to Midnight Bourbon, so maybe he's sitting a good trip. I don't, there's no result in this, Travers, that is going to make me fall out of my chair. I mean, all of these horses are good, and based on how the trips could work out, I could see a, a number of different results. Yeah, and it, sh- it shows in the speed figures, right? Even if the Curlin hasn't come, who knows how strong it is? Like it, it kind of rated pretty well, you know, on a lot of uh, numbers and 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 figures. So, on um, paper, they all have to beat essential quality. We'll see if Midnight Bourbon can try to steal it from the inside. It is a huge Saturday coming up, and you're gonna want to make sure you follow David on Twitter. At horse to watch because you always get really good information all throughout the day from David, letting you know about horses that he likes. Maybe if the the betting board's a little bit different than what was suspected, you'll kind of call an audible. Sometimes this horse is too high up on the board. Really good information there, and you have a uh, the the podcast that you do where uh, a lot of times you're recapping stuff from the the weekend and then previewing stuff coming up, uh, stuff at DRF, stuff for the N- N- NYRA all over the place. Give us some of the, the work that you've got coming up in the next few days. Oh, there's always a lot going on. Like you said, if you <laughs> want to find my daily Naira analysis, you can go to naira.com slash timeformus. I post my daily picks for Saratoga and all the Naira tracks there. Uh, yeah, and as, like you said, drf.com and the Timeform US pace cast, you can get those on, you know, wherever you get your podcast, the DRF YouTube channel or Spotify, iTunes, any of that. Uh, I do that with Craig Milkowski, who makes the Timeform US speed figures. And we'll do a deep dive into some of the speed figures and recapping early in the week, and we'll do some handicapping later in the week. So you can check that out david thank you so much for uh, for taking some time and best of luck this weekend uh, hope you you make a ton thanks for having me on make sure to give david a follow always a, a great great resource when you're playing the races over there the nyra don't go anywhere folks still plenty more on that's what g said big thank you to david for helping us out with those stakes races and wanted to talk about a couple of the other ones earlier on the card um as there are 13 races seven graded stakes six grade ones Let's jump into the fourth race on Saratoga Saturday. So get your past performances out for a little earlier in the card. Race number four is the grade two Boston Spa. I thought the four New York girl was a little interesting in here. So she started to get pretty good. And then in back-to-back races, she actually ran into turf courses that I don't think were to her liking. They were good turf courses. She was doing her best work on firmer turf courses. And then on August the 1st, she had a brutal first quarter mile she was in tight she checked she took up she was way back to 12 off she was inside she was two from the back she ran into some traffic again in the stretch it was a really bad trip when finishing fourth that day multiple bouts of trouble on a turf course she didn't love I think you could kind of excuse her last two wouldn't you play her coming into this race off the distaff turf mile and she should offer you really nice value in here New York girl, the number four, I would use her on top of the five, three, and six. I'd play her to win if she's anything around like four to one. The next graded stakes is the grade one ballerina. David did take a shot against Gamine. I just don't know if I can do so. Uh, the, the, the thing is, Sconson, Estilio, Talentoso, and CeCe are all really talented. CeCe's a multiple grade one winner. She's a millionaire. She's won... Two of her last three, and she might be back in form now, coming off a big win at Gulfstream. Stelio Talentoso has five straight top three finishes against Graded Stakes Company. Sconson is a multiple Graded Stakes winner, but they all need some help up front. None of them are quick enough to push Gamine, and 
if she doesn't get pushed, she could just probably cruise. That that's my concern with just betting on this race in particular. And in the eighth race, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give mischievous Alice, mischievous Alex, a shot. I just I don't love the rail. If he's around five to one, that's fair. Apparently, he had a he did seem to have a legitimate excuse. I think what they call the mumps. I was wondering if it was maybe a Saratoga thing he didn't like Saratoga. He's he's only run here twice though, so it I don't think it's enough to say he hates Saratoga. He was inside fourth in his last start. He was two lengths off. He just didn't respond. Remember, he was favored that day in the Vanderbilt. He was coming off a good third in the Met, where the fourth and fifth place finishers came back. Uh, the the what Nick's go comes back to win a grade three and then a grade one. Lexitonian was also in there, came back to win the grade one. Vanderbilt, mischievous Alex, and Yaupon. I think Yaupon's the one to beat. From the outside, the only real true speed in this field, to be honest. All the others can show some speed. Horses like Frenzy Fire, Chance It, Doubly Blessed, Mind Control. They're all better from off the pace a little bit. Mischievous Alex, Whitmore, Lexitonian, Flash Speed last time out. I think it was more because he was down on the inside and he just had to go. Yaupon seems the quickest in here. This is the toughest field he's ever faced, but he should be able to clear this group. I'm going to use 1-7 in, in all exotics together. We talked about the Jerkins with David. Yeah, I would lean life is good, mainly just because the outside draw, I think it'll give him the opportunity to sit a little bit. I do think he's really legitimate. And Jackie's Warriors put together a string of really sort of tough races. Got battle, battle, then had a big one last time out in the slop. May have freaked a little bit there. Kind of a quick turnaround. 28 days back. I'm going to lean life is good. In the personal ensign. Yeah, I just had it down to three. Latruska's the one to beat. Squish Skydiver. I think, you know, this this could be her day. You could look at it and say, she has legit excuses in a couple of her poor performances in the last, you know, four races. Or do you think that, you know, maybe that really tough campaign from last year, it just kind of started to catch up with her. She actually broke right with Nick's go, but she backed off and she let him roll a little bit. She moved right up to within a length, but she kind of got shrugged off. That was her first start since April. She'd been missing training. She had some issues. She should get a lot out of that race. I think you're going to see a much better effort from Squish Skydiver. But is she quick enough to push Latruska? Does she need help from a horse like Miss Marissa? Or maybe as time goes by? I'd lean Swiss Skydiver. And I'd also, if you're looking for a wild card, it's, it's got to be Harvey's Little Goyle for me. So those would be the two I would try to bet if you're trying to beat Latruska. In the 11th, the Sword Dancer. I love Japan. I mentioned the uh, quality races Japan comes out of. This is a multiple group stakes winner. Look at last year. You see Enable and Magical. I went through how loaded that June 19th race at Ascot was. The group two. With a ton of next out winners and horses who have come out of that race to perform really, really well. So I look at Japan. I look at Cross Border. I look at Gufo, Tribuvin, any combinations of them I'm fine with, but I prefer Japan. I would put Japan on top of Gufo as my top selections in here. In race number 12 at Saratoga, I have him down to three. Midnight Bourbon with the inside speed, essential quality as the one to beat, and then King Fury. Uh, I mentioned the trip just a few minutes ago when we were talking with David. His two races on the main track as a three-year-old are not far behind what it, this group would take what, what kind of an effort it would take to beat this group. So that is Saratoga Saturday. 
the Travers, a loaded Saturday. Hopefully, we can lead you to a few winners. And once again, a big thank you to David for helping us out there. I know some folks are going to be paying attention to everything happening at Saratoga this weekend. It's Folks, at OldSmokeClothing.com, we're talking high-quality clothing rooted in the iconic symbols of horse racing. T-shirts, hats, hoodies, zip-ups, long sleeves with names of famous horses, famous racetracks, slogans, catchphrases. They have custom designs there. And the name of their company, Old Smoke, is actually... Old Smoke John Morrissey, the founding father of Saratoga. This guy was a crazy, crazy character. He was a bare-knuckle brawler, a a bounce politician, and a little shady character. But he created Saratoga Racecourse, and you need to head to OldSmokeClothing.com right now. If you're a fan of horse racing, you'll spend hours on this website looking through all the different t-shirts, all the, uh, the funny things that they have up there, things that might make you laugh, might make you cry, something you want to buy for your friends, family, anyone that you know that loves horse racing, you need to let them know about OldSmokeClothing.com and with the promo code G-I-N-O, get them free shipping on the order. Promo code G-I-N-O gets you free shipping on your order from OldSmokeClothing.com. Let's get to Del Mar Saturday. We've got August the 28th, and we've got to look... And uh, races 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. In the opener, Valentina Gada, I think, is going to be pretty tough. But, you you know, nothing creative there. going to be a short price. The fifth race, the 2 Cologne, got squeezed out of a spot and then into another tight spot. Lost about five lengths and all momentum. It was a brutal trip for Cologne. That was on August the 1st. That was her first start in a few months and she ran into a horse named Zero Tolerance who was second. That one came right back to win a maiden special weight race next out. If you toss the last two races for Cologne, she's got tactical speed. Five furlongs should be perfect for her. Second off the bench, she's training very well. I'm going to use the number two, Cologne. Six to one on the morning line. Anything around seven to two feels fair. Tony Ann, you know, leisure wear. They're super logical. Let's move to race number six. I love fashionably fast in here, who's five to two on the morning line. If he's anything over eight to five, that might even be worth playing a win wager. But I'll treat him more like an exotic single in here. Look at the horses who have beat him recently. How be it? Who earned a ninety-nine buyer and is in the Pat O'Brien Brickyard Ride is in the Pat O'Brien Shooter Shoot is running in that stakes race at Charlestown on Friday. That's a graded stakes placed horse. Axeman is a multiple stakes winner, multiple graded stakes placed. Really tough to run down on the front end. Collusion, Illusion, McKenzie, legitimate graded stakes winners. It's a good spot for fashionably fast in race number six. We'll treat this one like an exotic single. We liked the Hulk last time out, and I don't think he ran poorly. It's probably a better spot for him here, too. Uh, It's definitely a softer spot. That was not an easy first level allowance on August the 12th. So the Hulk, who wheels back relatively quickly, I think you want to give him a shot in here if he's anything around 5-1. to We move to the 8th race. Maiden special weights here. 2-year-olds. Durante. Training very well in the mornings for Doug O'Neill. 7-2 on the morning line. If this one is anything around 5-2 or so, very fair. Uh, Union Train, the dam was a multiple stakes winner. Best work was on the turf. Both siblings won. Uh, Rockefeller, dam was a 10-time winner. Multiple graded stakes winner. Grade 1 winner earned 980000 So they wouldn't shock, obviously, with their nice pedigree. But 
Durante, the number five. A little sneaky in here. Anything around five to two feels fair. We move to the ninth race. Distance turf race, mile and three ace in here. One night standards, I think, will we'll run a lot better in this spot. But I actually like liberal. There's not a ton of speed. And it's not like liberal is a need-the-lead type. But he just flashed speed off of a couple-month break. And if he just runs a similar race like that, he should have a couple lengths on this field early on. There's not a ton of pace in here at all. He's 6-1 to one on the morning line. Prior to that last effort, his form was good. Behind next out winning Shadrach, Epic Golden Gate. He's finishing fourth, but he's only beaten a couple lengths in a productive uh, first-level allowance race at Santa Anita. Liberal. Only one who's got a little bit of a recent tactical speed. He doesn't need the lead, though. He could just sort of end up Close and set a great trip. Second off the short little break. Anything around 7-2 to two feels fair on Liberal. Moving to the 10th. It is the grade 2 Pat O'Brien. Ginobili freaked last time out. Howbeit has put back-to-back really big performances together. You've got Classier for Baffert. Brickyard Ride is really fast and capable of big stuff. I actually think Flagstaff and CZ Rocket are the two horses to beat. But for me, Momosa is the horse to bet. Momosa was 4th in the San Diego behind Express Train in Tripoli, who came out of that race to win the Pacific Classic. And Mimosa just might have found that group a, a little too tough. Now you're going to cut back to seven furlongs. He's shown some tactical speed going longer, so he'll be coming from off the pace in here, but he should be ramping up and have some nice late punch. I don't feel like there are any monsters. CZ Rocket and Flagstaff are solid, but Mimosa... Looks like he's in a good spot for Mike Maker, who's been winning races all over the country throughout the summer. We lean towards Momosa, 10-to-1 morning line. If he's anything around 6, we'll make a win wager on a Saturday Del Mar card. Hopefully we helped lead you to a few winners. Our plays in races 5 through 10 there at Del Mar. We close out. That's what G said this week with Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Another big week in wrestling. We actually covered CM Punk's return. We covered SummerSlam and NXT on the last episode of That's What G Said. So if you want to hear recaps on all of those, you will. Uh, you can tune to the uh, that episode. But you'll hear a little more about you know everything that happened in this as well. We focus on Raw, NXT, and AEW. We talk Adam Cole, some of the other big news happening in the world of wrestling. This week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It was such a loaded week in the world of wrestling that for the first time ever, we had to have two installments of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper here on That's What G Said podcast. Uh, Chad Cooper, who I know is uh, hanging out with Baron Corbin out in Vegas right now, Koopa Loop. You're, you're, it, honestly, this is one of those storylines that is like, I don't think they realized what they were doing. You know, it was just kind of like a side thing, and they've caught lightning in a bottle. I, I'm, I'm like, 
I put notifications on for Baron Corbin on Twitter <laughs> on, just so that way every time he posts a video, I can see it. He was going all weekend long in Vegas. He was up. He was down. He lost it all. He won it back. He bought a car. Then he was at a, a cash-only motel. It, this, this, this is hilarious. This is not going to end well for Baron Corbin. This is <laughs> like National Lampoon's Vegas vacation. And there's, shit, you know, there's, co- he's cousin, there's a cousin Eddie somewhere yeah. nearby. It's just, it's fun, man. I mean, like you said, it's lightning in a bottle. And wait, the way they've been able to play off of this and let him just, you know, do things on social media. Uh, he's having fun with this. Yeah, he is. He's loving it. You could tell. Could Could you imagine thinking, you know, like I've always, and I know you have too. Like I, I've always liked Corbin. I think he he serves a really good purpose as like a big heel, and he comes yes. off he comes off as a jackass, and he's one of the few people that really genuinely gets booed. So that he has a good like, there's a good place for him. You know, maybe he's not like a main event all the time going to run with the title guy, but he's, he's kind of like right below that level. You know, you could have him to the upper mid card to right in the main event level. But if you had told me when he was doing the lone wolf gimmick in NXT, that this guy had these kind of like, just like fun personality chops, I would have said no way we'd ever see something like this from this, from that guy, man, it's amazing to go back. And I, I forgot all about his, his lone wolf gimmick you know he, he came up to the wwe with the gimmick with the long hair and i'm like man he needs to cut the hair but it's it's real interesting to go back and watch homegrown talent so to speak evolve figure themselves in, out in so many ways and what baron corbin has done is just again we say it week in and week out we we give aew and wwe a lot of grief for things but on the flip side of it they do a lot of things right too. And when homegrown talent like this is able to pull this stuff off and then keep it going on social media, I, it, it makes it fun for everyone. How could you, if, if you don't like the guy, if, if you like the guy, you've you got to love the hating too. Yeah. It drives you insane that he's doing this or, or look at all the replies. I hope you lose, you know, please, please take your money and run. Vegas is going to eat you alive. <laughs> and it's like, this is great, man. It's And I think it's a good case study too, because right now um, the, the news and the buzz out there of, of NXT changing and revamping and, you know, are they going to have a huge overhaul? And and you and I have kind of talked a, a lot about this. Like, I don't think it's going to be as different or as drastic as a lot of people think because the, you know, there were, there were, you know, quotes and comments out there about like wanting to get bigger athletes or people that they think could main event WrestleMania, not necessarily bringing in just a lot of independent talent, which we saw NXT doing, but think about, I think Think, I think when people hear the word indie in like a negative way, they get really upset. But I don't I don't think, you know, I didn't take it that way. You know, Baron Corbin, for example, I think he's the type of person that they're talking about. Big E. Yes. He's the type of person that they're talking about. Brock Lesnar, he's the type of person that they're talking about. It's not just the it's not some like big non-talented people. It's like athletes that they think that they and they've had a pretty good track record with a lot of them. I mean, there's and then there's a lot that don't they, that don't connect and that don't cross over. But you know, think about a couple of them right there who have done pretty well. I mean, think about Riddle. Riddle's come up from NXT. He's doing 
unbelievable on the main roster right now. Someone like Damian Priest, he was an independent wrestler, came over. You think that they w- they wouldn't bring Damian Priest in anymore? Heck no. I mean, I, so I don't see. I don't know if there's going to be that big of a change. I just think that you know there was no AEW before, so a lot of those. Wrestlers didn't have a home And that home was kind of in NXT And now I think they realize that You know we don't necessarily need to sign Everybody and have this huge roster But I I just I haven't I don't get the sense that there's going to be this huge Oh we're taking all of these fit Your favorite NXT people off our TV And we're only going to have big Untalented people like someone like Rich Holland Who's on there dude that that dude is legit <laughs> that, that was like a, a rugby player That they brought in like those are Talented people so just I think there's like a little bit of a disconnect with this going on out there. The the response, you know. Yeah, and it's look, it, it gets really overblown on, on social media in a hurry. It's like you know putting gasoline on a fire. I mean, if that was the case, then we probably see Odyssey Jones winning this NXT Breakout Tournament, which right? we thought he would. And but they're uh, both stars, and I I, I don't and, think it was and, a bad they're call. Both really good. No, yeah. no, not a bad call at all. I, I think people just. People are always wanting to know instantly what's next, what's next, what's mm-hmm. next, what's next. Chill out, let it simmer, and and let it just come naturally. And I, I think that's you know that that's the way of this world, absolutely especially in this country with apps, social media. We want instant gratification. We don't want to see a storyline, uh, you know, kind of play out. We kind of want it one and done, and that's what it kind of feels like on social media when these fans get upset. So a lot of buzz about NXT right now And then obviously some of the news uh, Adam Cole, baby We know that he made his last appearance um, On NXT We don't know if he's headed to AEW Or WWE main roster I believe his contract is up on Friday So he still cannot officially you know, Sign a contract Or have conversations or negotiations With AEW He's got a lot of friends there His fiance is there um, a lot of people seem to think that's where he's going to end up, and I like Adam Cole a lot. So I, with and with all of these guys and gals and wrestlers, like I think everybody's motivations are different for for who they are. To some people, we talked about this just the other day in our last episode. To some people, still like have that WWE fan in them where they think, hey, I want a main event WrestleMania. I can be the one that breaks through. Or does it? Get to the point where it's like hey I've been in NXT For four years you know I barely even Got a call up and I, and when I did it was for it Wasn't even a call up they just needed They needed some help because of the, the Rest of the roster was in Saudi Arabia and so You know I just I, I ended up you know helping Out there and and my wife's there My friend or my future wife my friends I can go over there you know maybe he does That um, selfishly For me I just think him Being a star on WWE would be better for wrestling because it seems like right now for a little while AEW has a lot going on. We know D is probably coming in. You know Bray Wyatt, uh, Wyndham Rotunda probably coming in. Um, you know we see Malachi Black getting you know a big a big push towards the top of the card. It's a lot of mouths to feed. I it is, and you just get that sense that. Uh, he, he's probably going to AEW. You, you, you just, you, I don't know. Just something it, it feels about that, that way. Yeah, just something about that match at NXT Takeover, and I could be could be completely wrong. Egg on our face here. Uh, contract is up. What right on Friday? Sometime on Friday, he becomes an official free agent. 
Who knows how long he's going to stay out? I wouldn't think he would be out very long. Um, you know, does it make sense to, to stay? Does it make sense to go? Uh, I mean, his buddy, he's got a lot of buddies over there. Uh, both of them are going to give him a lot of money. Uh, his girlfriend's over there. It's just who it's do you just, trust? You know, that's probably, that's probably what it comes down to. Does If, if WWE sells him a pitch, does he trust them? Because and and you know it's funny like they've never really done him wrong in NXT he he was the star and like I said the little time they brought him up they did they did fine by him they just didn't bring him up it wasn't it wasn't even like they brought him up and buried him they just kept him down so I yeah you you never know what's going on I mean it it wouldn't shock me either way it wouldn't shock me if he was the type of person that said hey I think he's like thirty two you know if he, he said something like. Hey, I could sign a three-year deal here right now. Be thirty-five, make a lot of money, take a shot, see if they'll deliver on some of the promises on the main roster. If he looked around the lay of the land, even and looked and was like, "Hey, on Raw, there's not a whole lot going on right now. I, I probably have a not a too much of a, a a pretty clear path to being a major player here." And you know, like last night we watched Dynamite. There's not a lot of time. There's a quick, quick segments for everyone. Quick little pieces, you know. Um, so I just want, as a wrestling fan, I want good wrestling on TV all the time. I'd love for Adam Cole to be a major player in WWE. If he heads to AEW and he becomes a major player, that'd be awesome. But it's just he's taking the spot of somebody, you know. Right. Um, yeah. Which yeah. is and, and look, man, uh, Rampage is 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 our, you know is being taped now on Fridays. I'm sure there'll be some live editions. Um, you know, Wednesday's night show was probably their worst show uh, from top to bottom. It was just not good. I, no. I mean, the punk and like I think we can we can treat the punk stuff kind of like separately because the, the punk when he comes out, he's always wherever he comes out for six months or a year. Every time he goes somewhere new for the first time, he's going to get a huge response. It's going to be cool to see him on our TV for a while. Every time he he actually mentions somebody's name and starts to like. You know, talk about Darby or talk about some of the other wrestlers. That's really cool. He seems like he's genuinely want like here to want to help put people over, want right. to help grow AEW. Like he seems like he's here for a lot of the right reasons, which are great. But I, you and I talked about it too. I was pretty shocked that that was the show they decided to go with right after CM Punk. I mean, I would have, I would have. Lo- I know you've got All Out coming up. I would right now coming off the CM Punk buzz. Every episode of of Dynamite and Rampage would feel like a pay per view for the next month. I, I would just load yes. everything up with Punk with Daniel Bryan. I'd make sure that anybody who accidentally was watching our show went, "Holy crap! Is this like this all the time?" Oh and, my god! And, and you know, look, and why they aren't doing that anyway is beyond me. Because they kind of saying. were. It was funny. They sort of were. Up until Punk, we were talking about how, oh my god, and then up until Punk and up until Rampage, and we were, it was like, they're doing so much, they need another show because there's 15, 20 things they do on Wednesday that it's like, and now all of a sudden, this really felt like you kind of put Punk in, almost just in an episode of AEW Dark or Elevation, you know, and then that was on TV. That Malachi Black, you know, seeing him, he feels like a big deal and like a main eventer. And it wasn't as if the entire show, there were things that we'll pick out when we go through that were fine. But uh, like it felt very like low stakes 
inconsequential. I don't. I, yeah, I was just. I, I was thinking if like you know people that were tuning in waiting for Punk, and you got um you know. Uh, you know, I guess we'll start with AEW. We're talking AEW right now, so let's go. To, let's go there. We we um, I, I actually did chuckle um uh, at the uh, the and if you want to hear some of our thoughts on AEW Rampage from last week when Punk returned, we uh, on the the last episode of That's What G said we recorded a full segment covering that SummerSlam, NXT Takeover, all that stuff. As we jump into AEW Dynamite, the the stuff with Cassidy and Matt Hardy at the at the very beginning when they're doing their little goofy shtick, I, I I laugh right like it makes me chuckle because it's like oh, Matt's doing the delete and Orange is doing his little kicks and and we know that but that's kind of another weird thing where it's like if this is the start of your show and you've got some people tuning in off of Friday and they don't really understand the joke here you know or like they're not really like they're sort of lapsed wrestling fans that haven't been watching as much recently and they don't understand Orange Cassidy or Matt Hardy doing the delete thing i don't i don't know if that was the best way to start this might have been a good chance to do like hey we got Kenny and the Young Bucks against the you know Christian and and Jurassic Express you know like a six man tag for 15 minutes and get everybody like look at this action that these guys have I don't, you know, the, the, actually, I, I like both of these characters. It's fine. People know Matt Hardy. He's got busted up. He might have broken his nose. And and I think the the Orange Cassidy pin was hilarious with the with the <laughs> hands in his pockets. Like he needs to adopt that as his move. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was this was fine. It just felt. I, I, I just think it was a weird choice for some of the matches and and the way and the show that they put together right now coming. It's, it's going to be hilarious when we find out shortly Like I'm looking because the ratings will come out Any any minute now um, And this is probably going to be their Highest rated show but it's funny Because it's it might be that Like you said it might be their worst And, and worst it just like Least important other than punk Show nothing it's just not a lot of this Felt like No it was it was it was just It, it was there wasn't Even really a whole lot of segments uh, there used to, you know, the previous couple of weeks, we had tons of segments and not as many matches. We had six matches, but the opener, look, I love Orange Cassidy. I, I've been a fan of OC for a very long time. I think what the problem is we're getting with him is that is, and look, you, you took, you explained it perfectly a couple of minutes ago about the word indie. He was so good. And this gimmick is so good on the indie scene. It's really hard to come across on television and get it. Mm-hmm. It just like to me, it's more of an in-person thing. Mm-hmm. And you either are you not? I, I mean, hey, look, I, I, I mentioned the other day. Uh, you, you know, I, I sent a, a, a tweet in a text to the to a, you know you and, and a couple of other people in, in our little wrestling group. I mean, there there was kids crying. Uh, you know, like when teams lose the Super Bowl, they lose in the playoffs, and you get all these these videos of broken TVs on TikTok and Twitter. Here are kids crying when when John Cena loses to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania in, in SummerSlam. So my point is, how many of these kids know who Orange Cassidy is? Probably not very many. I'm not saying there's not in the crowd that they don't, because there probably are a few. It's just a disconnect really I think it's hard to get Orange Cassidy's gimmick over on television and that I thought the match look there was some funny parts 
I thought it, it took a little too long to get started. Going to get you know? going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought the finish was kind of out of nowhere, and maybe they kind of had to do it because he was busted open. I just think it was a bad choice to start the show. I just, I, I really do. I like Orange Cassidy. I love Matt Hardy, but this is not where we're go- where we're at with AEW right now, especially not Matt Hardy. I'm sorry. It, it just, I, I, a huge Hardy guy. Just, it hasn't clicked with right me here either. Up. No, it hasn't connected. It hasn't connected here. Um, like he was so good with this gimmick in TNA in impact, you know, and then he went to WWE with it. Everybody got excited and it never really clicked on there. And he hasn't, he changed it up. He's doing the money math thing, but I just, you know, I, I don't really know where either of these guys are right now, you know, or what, what's going with them. They, these are some of the wrestlers who will kind of suffer a little bit because they're not going to get storyline build as much, oh. you know, and like you said, they're going to get lost in the shuffle a little bit, which, you know, they're not CM Punk. That's fine. But and they get the, these type of matches OC yeah. versus Hardy out of nowhere. You're just yeah. going to get those type of matches. We got Malachi Black uh, t- uh, talking about how he, uh, you know, he was cutting a promo on Brock Anderson. He says, the, you know, we, you shouldn't do this. He said, but this is what you're going to have to do. You wait for the bell. You roll out of the ring. You take the loss and then say, I'm sorry, and go back to your dad. Because he said, if this goes any different, I'm going to take you out, Brock, and anyone associated with the Nightmare family. So, you know, his presentation has been pretty good so far. Malachi Black, he's come off. Like a star um, They've let him squash a couple people here I'm actually a little surprised that he Ended the show just kind yeah. of There was no Cody Return nobody came back and kind of Got comeuppance on him so they um, there, I was a, a little surprised too. like it wasn't a complete Squash he actually you know Brock got him down on the ground Which I was even a little surprised at, on At one point to kind of see him take a A little bit of a bump but He it's funny because when you see him, I think they've done a lot right with him, but it it feels like wow, he was so buzzy a few weeks ago. I don't know if I quite feel that that same buzz. I do, I do think that everything they're doing with his character is good. I like what they he seemed like a badass. He's great in the ring. He feels like it's almost like oh, that kick can you know it's like an RKO or it's like how they sell the big moves like that that kick can can knock anyone out at any moment. Um, but yeah, like Punk. Took a, a lot of the life away from this guy Dude, look I was just about to say that There's only so much Pop a crowd can sit through You know, they kind of worried me a little bit about TakeOver On on Sunday We talked about this on, on the Monday show um, it, it's, it's hard when, when you have a guy that you brought in And he's hot, hot, hot When you bring in somebody like CM Punk not saying these guys aren't good anymore. We're not saying that. We're just saying the buzz is gone. And it was odd that they put him. I, I don't have any problems with him being in the main event. I just I thought it was a weird choice with Brock Anderson, of all people, in the main event. I, I, I just and, and there wasn't kind of like an end story. If you're going to do that, I would have definitely had Cody come out and do something. And, and you know, and it's going to happen. You know, it, it's it's going to start this this look. I, I I told you we rampage is already taped. Uh, we look at the the card for dynamite next week that they've already met, announced doesn't look very good at all. There's only so many times you can rely on CM Punk being interviewed in the ring. Now look, these pay per view matches he's going to have, 
and these match or two that he's going to have on Dynamite are going to be fantastic. There's not going to be an issue. But if you start putting all your eggs in one or two baskets, as you said, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, it's almost a a lock that this guy's coming in, right? CM Punk is putting... He he referenced it in his thing. And and he referenced, you know, these initials on his shoes, and he referenced him in his promo we'll talk about in just a second. We're probably going to get a Bray Wyatt. You're going to get a couple of more female talent names that are coming in that are, is pretty big. And the and the landscape and the scenery is really going to change. And this vibe is going to change. And it's going to start feeling a little WCW-ish when NWO. Um, there's just so many. Just because you have all the great talent in the world doesn't make for a smooth, easy watching shows. Because yes, it's hard right. to have that much popping heat in two hours in a show on a live crowd. It, it's funny, it Nick, is, Nick Aldis. And Rampage is taped with that same crowd coming up on Friday. Um, Nick Aldis actually said something about this, like, you know, a year, six months or a year ago where he said WWE and NXT kind of got into a problem. And I think AW is sort of doing it here. It's like you sign so much top talent that you're not able to like slot people, you know, like everybody wants to be on the top and everybody thinks they're the main eventer and everybody Step is, one, right, Gino? And, and, one and, you know, and everybody in, and what's, what's crazy is that most of these people are good enough to be. They're good enough to be in that slot if the story was told and they were presented that way and pushed that way. But they're going to run into the same problems that WWE and NXT runs into. You can only push and get behind so many people at the same time, right? And and you don't want to get into a 50-50 booking thing like WWE does. because So you got to be careful now because AEW wants to be so different. And now you're going to start you're – start, you're going to start putting yourself – in in a corner you're going to back yourself into a corner A little bit there was something they did later on this show That was like really WWE Like I couldn't believe it oh, yeah. We'll get to that in a second um, So Jericho heads out to the ring He you know he cuts his promo here He says uh, He lost he actually tapped out He said it's been bothering him Because he always wants to stay on top He can't beat MJF He says uh, all out one final match And if he can't beat MJF then maybe he doesn't belong in AEW anymore. What I thought was funny about this was I did like the fact that he said, "Hey, maybe I'll just go and, and do commentary because it doesn't, <laughs> you know, like that. That's a little more real than being like I'm never wrestling yeah, again, never wrestling. you know." Good but, catch point. but it was funny that he said, "I'm never wrestling in AEW again," you know. It was <laughs> like, "Oh yeah, you can definitely go right back over to WWE now that you brought everybody else in over here. There's no room. You go back over there, <laughs> you know." That's a, that's a good catch. And, and yeah. look. We, I love Jericho, one of my all-time favorites. I I don't know where he fits in going forward. He's still a big name. He still gets a great pop. I mean, hell, look at his entrance song with Judas. Um, He is, what, 50 years old now? I don't think we need him on the announce table. I mean, man, we've got so many announcers and color commentary on each show that there's no room for really them. I kind of, we kind of knew this was coming. We knew Jericho would put his... AEW wrestling career on the line with MJF, but man, we've we've seen this song and dance yeah, before. For a while we've it's seen so it long. three it, matches it, to get with the two of them, and then everything that happened before and after, and a lot of it's been good, entertaining. It's not it's not like it's bad, but it's just it's dragged on for for quite a, a while, and now they have um it, it it's it they've put themselves sort of in a corner here too because I don't think Jericho's losing and. I don't it, it's not going to like hurt MJF to lose to lose because he's beat Jericho three times already. But do you want 
like Jericho to kind of be standing tall at the end of this. I don't know. I mean, that's why it's kind of weird about this. This this is my concern. You know, not too many months ago, MJF was one of the hottest on this on this roster. He doesn't feel that way now, and I think this kind of feud is kind of does it. And look, when you again, I'm repeating myself over and over again because this is what happens when you start signing big names. Even the good guys, and I'm not talking healer faces, even the good guys get lost in the shuffle. The and, Jungle Boys, the, yeah, you know. It, look, MJF, as good as he, he is, he's kind of felt this has kind of been a, you know, a downer the the the, the last couple of months with him. It, it wasn't long ago when he was on fire. I, I just think the pinnacle and the inner circle mm-hmm. thing went on too long. I mean, heck. You could write down the main roster for AEW, and half these guys aren't even really on the show much anymore. And as you said, do you want a 50-year-old Jericho standing tall? He saves his career, and MJF loses again. And where does he go from here? Because you want ele- you want to elevate MJF out of this feud. You know, that's the whole point. Yes. And, and I do think does not do that. Yeah, and I, I do think that like you're 100 percent right. He he doesn't seem like he's he's like. Not over but he just Isn't nearly as hot as he was Nearly Correct. he's just he's Correct. just kind of Like yeah. he he just kind of like Oh yeah he's doing good work there You know like he comes out and he does good but there's Not like like there was buzz About MJF as the best heel and when is MJ, You know people are and when is MJF getting a Title shot because he should you know people were even saying That because in, in kayfabe he doesn't Lose you know and so Yeah I don't know I do, They gotta they gotta be creative About finding a way to not make MJF look bad in losing because you want him to look strong coming out of this. Like he's someone that you want have to have set up for a punk for a Darby, someone like that too. You know, um, when you when you're thinking about setting up big heels for the baby faces, because I mean he's probably right behind Kenny, you know, as the next as the heel. So gotta be careful with what you do here with him because you don't want him to feel like he's getting shuffled down the card either because you had to sort of save Jericho's career in this spot. Um yeah, I'm kind of, I'm curious how they uh how they uh, end up um you know figuring this one out for uh, for all out as we saw the varsity blondes getting ready and like I like these guys, they're fine. They just feel they just still kind of feel a little bit a little young. You know, they're still like you can you can sense it that they're they're raw. They haven't quite put it all together yet. Um, I think they will be, and especially Pillman Jr.'s got a little like he's definitely got you know the it factor there. But the the match we you know we which comes out afterwards the, the Lucha Bros versus the Varsity Blondes. You and I talked about it. It was a little, it wasn't smooth. No, it was a little clunky. Like I like all of these workers, and I've seen the Varsity Blondes have some amazing matches, and the Lucha Bros are are awesome. Like it's into singles to put to, put together, but the the chemistry here was just a little bit off. Clunky, you said the exact uh, the the perfect word for it. Um, and and it's and it's you know I like all four guys like you said. Um, I was kind of a little puzzled why we got these four teams in this little tournament, so to speak. Unfortunately, I didn't. You know, I, I preach this every week on the show. I hate spoilers. I didn't know Rampage was going to be taped. Um, digging around, doing some research, and I saw the spoilers 
for Rampage, and I'm like, oh man, not again. I, I'm, I'm, I'm you not ran into him on accident. Yeah. I, yeah. I ran into him on accident and didn't like what I saw. Not that the match won't be good, but you, you, here again, we have, you know, two matches of a six match, two hour program that really wasn't all that good. And then you have, you know, uh, yeah, this is what uh, they're supposed to be doing really well. You know what I mean? Like they right. with for AW, I want the 15 minute good like into indie style matches. You know, like the NXT takeover style matches. Like that's what I I wanted to come become kind of accustomed to week in and week out with them. Especially because their model is a little bit different right now than than WWE or which is you know the other big wrestling company. I, I hate always going back and forth to AW and WWE, but in this particular case. You know, you think about paying 50 bucks for a pay-per-view, you know, ver- versus paying 10 bucks for every paper, 10 bucks a month for a pay-per-view plus all the other stuff that you get with Peacock and the WWE Network. And right. so that's when you're when you're building to the pay-per-views, you got to do a couple things. One, you better make sure that that pay-per-view is stacked. And two, you have to continue to have, you know, good and high stakes matches and stuff on your weekly TV, which I think they've done for the most part up until recently. It does just sort of feel like, oh, we got punk in now. We're going to have a bunch of eyeballs. I'm so surprised that they feel like they're kind of trying to slow everything down instead of ramp it up. Like this feels like the moment when you, I don't know if you're ever going to be hotter than you are right now from like a buzz standpoint with punk, because like we said, Daniel Bryan comes in and Daniel Mayan might be better than CM Punk as far as like what he can do in the ring and maybe even like overall as like a genuine babyface. Maybe Daniel Bryan's better, who knows? Maybe Adam Cole is better, who knows? Maybe Wyndham Rotunda is more creative. You know, they're all really, really good, but none of them are going to have the same kind of buzz as Punk. No, no, no. There's nobody. There's nobody out there. I think we went through the list of like four or five And the only reason those people would be buzzy Is because we feel like they're WWE people right If it was a (laughs) Cena or a Reigns Or like a Brock Lesnar or like a Charlotte And that's about it you know Anyone else that's bigger than Punk They don't really exist So I figured right now You got so many eyeballs on you It's like just throw it all out there right now Try to hook everybody that's watching you right now and, And make them stay Um I don't know if this episode was was one that did that. We um, we got the Jurassic Express that came out afterwards, and so we're going to get Jurassic Express versus the Lucha Bros on uh, on Rampage. Now, I will say, I I agree that the, the spoilers are out. I hate them. I didn't see the result of this, but I did hear, and sometimes that's what's cool. I did hear that the match is actually really really good between I these heard, two teams. Yeah, yeah. If you look at it, and it's going to be put in a cage, so it elevates it. But man, alive! Uh, of right. those two teams, who do you who who would you rather see not just work the young bucks, but beat the young bucks and have the tag team championship? And that's made. the problem. Is like right now, nobody nobody feels this is sort of like where we were with Kenny for a while, and why I hated pushing Paige out of the way because you remember when when Jungle Boy and Pac and Orange Cassidy were fighting Kenny for the title. Again, we we don't have a problem with any of those wrestlers, but they weren't booked and set up like they were main event challengers that had an opportunity to actually beat Kenny. There was a there was a week or two where they kind of gave Jungle Boy like a little a little small push, but right. they weren't they hadn't been setting up like these next main event challengers, um, which 
you know, which was puzzling, and they, and it feels like that's kind of happened with the tag team division now too, because you got you know Santana and Ortiz and FTR off doing their own thing. Who knows with FTR and the injuries and stuff? But they're you know they're like wh- how long what their longevity is like. But they're supposed to wrestle next week. Um, then who like who else is a legitimate team that you think could beat the Young Bucks right now? It felt maybe for a little while like we could have gotten a like a a Moxley and a Kingston. Or even a sting in a Darby. Now Darby's kind of in the the punk world. I just I don't know one tag team that I legitimately feel like could beat them. Maybe they go with the Jurassic Express thing with Christian, you know, because Christian and Jurassic Express are all going to be feud. You can have them feud with the Elite, and maybe they beat them. But I don't I don't feel like like they should. Feels like the Young Bucks are sort of in a tier above themselves, and then everybody else is below them. Um, I. I was expecting there to be a lot more like them and FTR stuff, which we kind of got at the beginning, but we haven't gone back to that really at all. No, and it's just – it's the Young Bucks and everyone else. And and look, the Young Bucks and Lucha Bros um, have put on fantastic matches. Um, And any any of them will be a good match in the cage. I just don't believe that they'll – They'll beat them. The Lucha Bros kind of have the thing going on with Andrade. You know, they're sort yeah. of in that feud. Jurassic Express, maybe, but they just lost to them. We're gonna have them win and then come right back and win again. I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't. Like, I, I love the Bucks. They're great. Their heel gimmick, like they're so <laughs> cringy right now with whatever they're wearing every week and the rompers and this and that. It's like them and Miz are shopping at the same stores, you know, and like in Ziggler, it's like, I'm sure they all go get stuff together, but <laughs> they, they just don't seem, yeah, I want, I want someone else to be sort of built like they have a chance to take those titles from them. It doesn't seem like that team is out there right now. No, you have all these young teams they signed that are on Monday and Tuesday, dark and dark elevation, top flight. Uh, we had we didn't see 2.0. I'm not saying these are going to be tag team champions, but uh, there was what Bear Country. There was just several teams that these guys brought in, and none of them really have done anything other than you know Lucha solid Brun- match here and there. But yeah. they don't click. It's not like we said. It's not. A, there's not been a follow up. Yeah. It's like we see them, then we don't see them again for a month, and we've and then we end up <laughs> hearing that they've won six matches in a row. Right. So it's like, oh, that's that's kind of weird. So a lot of talent, but let you know, let's hopefully we can get people slotted in, especially in that tag team uh, division, uh, just a legitimate contender to take those titles from them. We got a quick uh, little backstage Andrade promo about Pac. He, you know, this is real quick. He just talks about it. They're going to find out who the better wrestler is. Not not much there. And they did announce that the women's champ Britt Baker will face Statlander at All Out. We got a Jamie Hader match next with uh, against Red Velvet, and oh, unfortunately, this was not good. Um, this was—I <laughs> I don't have a very nice way of putting it. No. Um, this the, the, and, and it was I short. Feel it was—you know—you're right. That was—I actually feel bad for. I don't think Jamie was bad. It, it seemed like it was Red Velvet that kind of was just a little bit off here, and and they and then it, they had a hard time at, like getting back on track. Um, it almost unfortunately when you're when your champion is out there around something like this too, it sort of brings them down a little bit. It's like it oh, this wasn't it, this was and, and not and the Brit's over. It's not that this is like this isn't something that's gonna like hurt Brit in the long run. But it's like when she's just kind of out there and this match is so not great. It just was oh you just uh what's going on? After the match, Statlander comes out, 
and uh, attacks Hater, and then you know Britt rolls out of the ring there. So I'm sure you know Statlander's improved. She's got the you know she's not really laying into the <clears throat> alien gimmick as much anymore. <laughs> um, it, it, like this match will be okay. It just I don't think anybody believes that Britt's losing the title here to Chris Statlander. No, and I think Statlander probably, you know, if she sticks around long enough with AEW, probably carries that title at one I point agree. or another. She's good. But, she's good. But yeah, I, she's getting a lot yeah, better. I, I don't think this is the time uh, no. it, it all out for her to be Brit. No. We saw the Dark Order backstage. They're, I mean, who the hell knows where Hangman Page is? I, yeah. I know in, in real life <laughs> he's takes some time off, but we didn't hear we didn't hear him even say that. I'm gonna be gone for a little while. He he sort of just said like I got to figure this out on my own, and then it was it. It was it. I mean, people were telling me he's gonna be in the main event at all out, and we were saying I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh yeah, they're just, they're gonna they're gonna find a way to. I, I don't know. I don't like. And how how over were the Dark Order? Remember we talked about it several weeks ago that what was a laughing stock here in the beginning of AEW when these guys came around. We were like, man, this is silly. This I is. I thought stupid. they were gonna made. I thought they were gonna have that five on five like main event of pay per view. I really yeah, did. And now, now there's we've got dissension and uh, in, in the order. And I'm not saying that's not a good storyline, but I guess if you have really nothing else for them, but again, this feels like it feels like they're not near as hot anymore. They're just not. And I think that kind of went away when they lost that tag match uh, with Hangman against the uh, the Elite. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, we'll see when uh, when. Hangman comes back and what the plans are for him when he returns are they showed uh, <clears throat> a lot of footage from Rampage from the return of CM Punk and then here comes CM Punk he he genuinely did look pretty ex- pretty happy to be in there with Tony because I don't sure how many times I don't think him and Tony ever came across each other right like Tony no, was no. out of the business in the early 2000s and these two guys were were really bitter at wrestling both for a while so it, cool to see them in there cool to see people Responding to CM Punk like this I always you know I knew he was a big deal in the wrestling world but I just I didn't even think he would get these kind of Responses when he came back but uh, These people absolutely Love him and he's Like this is what he does this stuff well You know he he didn't really have a whole lot To say to be honest Um, He he just kind of was Taken by the crowd he mentioned Darby A little bit Tony asked him why he came, he mentioned Jungle Boy and, and some of the other young talents that, you know, he wants to interact with. And he, the, the crowd started chanting, yes, yes, yes. And he said, <laughs> hey, hey, wait, that's somebody else's thing. You're going to have to be a little bit more patient before he comes or something along those lines. So he definitely uh, referenced Daniel Bryan is on the way. So, I mean, when when whenever he comes out, it's for for now at this moment, you know, the next couple months at least, it's going to be like this in 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 most arenas. Every place is going to be super excited to see him. He, you know, I, my, whenever he talks, the things that I enjoy the most is when he talks about AEW and their roster. I don't I don't think he needs to right now like take the cheap shots and stuff. Um, and and that'll come. I'm totally fine with CM Punk ripping WWE and and them going, and especially because that's his character. But um, I like when he said things even like. You know, I'm the voice. I don't have to be the voice of the voiceless anymore. You see a lot of these talents; they all get sort of opportunities. You know, when he when he pumps AEW, I like it. I don't think he needs to right now immediately just try to blast WWE because I don't know. Just like I said, it, it scorned. It comes off a little bitter. All that stuff. Like 
dude, you're doing great where you are right now. You got a hunt, you got millions of people watching already. You broke records selling t-shirts and stuff. So when he talks Darby, when he talks, you know, Jungle Boy and Brit and all that stuff, I very much like it. Um he, you know, he said he wants to prove that he can can CM Punk still go? Is he still the best in the world? If the answer is yes, it all starts with Darby Allen. He says Allen would have been his favorite wrestler when he was 15 years old. See, like I believe that. Sure. I totally I believe that. Percent. You know, I was just looking it up. I wanted to see how old CM Punk was. He's 42 years old. Will he look old in the ring mm-hmm. against Darby Allen? That's, that's funny. Because that, you know what, the grays in his hair are there. You know, <laughs> like we didn't look. They're definitely in mine. Oh, you know, me too. I, oh, me know, too. And the beard. Hiding. Film, but the beard, your body is sure. not the same Things aren't the same I, I, Look I'm not pooping on it I'm just saying you, We get older And father time is is Gracious to some but not To all and will he look A little bit older um, I, I, I do have some breaking news for you I did just as I'm looking it up I did see the rating for AEW Dynamite so uh, Gino give me your guess Of what you thought this rating Is in Punk's first time AEW on a Wednesday night 1.4 1.17 You know I mean that's a good number I would say I thought it was going to be higher Me too Coming off of off of the all of the buzz Especially because Raw and Smackdown got really good numbers Yeah and, and, I, and I think their demo Was probably you know it's Look when your numbers aren't as good As what you think they are The first thing you, when you when you see a particular Person saying oh well You know the 18 to 45 or the you know 18 to 55 demo was an all time high That's when you know there's kind of some disappointment I thought it would break the record Me too but I'll say this The show was terrible and you Maybe know, you're right and um it's weird Because usually ratings don't Reflect that show like you know, what you were right. Saying like we it's usually a week Or two of bump all you know right. yes this, yeah. this Friday will be a I I think will be a big Downer for them I think they they Get back into the 600s the 700 Yeah I think so too because it's a Yeah that's I gotta say That's a little disappointing you know And like hitting the million mark Just repeatedly will be nice like If they steady into this number In a, a couple months and they're always in like The one one range like sure I just did think that they were gonna get Off of that they got more on rampage right they got a higher number on rampage than they did which, say that one more time they got a higher number on rampage on friday night than they did for in a horrible when they, time slot in a horrible time slot when they didn't even really promote cm punk versus they actually promoted him for dynamite um yeah that is weird really really weird uh we can Continue on with the end of AEW before we move on. Um, yeah, they've uh, they had uh, or he did he did finish his promo by saying hello to to April, his wife AJ Lee. So everyone's mentioning their wives because Miro then cuts a promo about uh, you know how God wants how God you know um, uh, God supports him because he's the redeemer and he says he he wants the Mad King he, before he burns everything to the ground. So it looks like Miro Kingston will uh, will have a feud. We got. Moxley, Kingston, and Darby versus uh, Ryan Nemeth, Caesar Bononi, and uh, JD Drake here. And this was a six-man tag, just really meant to give uh, to give Darby a win to help him, you know, look a little strong. Continuing on to his feud with Punk, but then after the match, he gets uh, attacked by Daniel Garcia. This yeah, dude, yeah, I thought that I thought that was interesting. It was an okay just, match, but I like Garcia. 
Me too. This I was just about to say. This dude in the last couple months, he has come. Like he, he this happens on the indies a lot, and it, I do think it's cool that AEW has brought him in because he's had this indie buzz. He's got a match coming up with Suzuki, like Minoru Suzuki, and like he's he, somebody was I think it was John Pollock from a um a post wrestling. He said like this guy is going to be able to write a book about his 2021 one day because he just sort of came out of nowhere and he's like on national TV and matches with Darby and Sting. He had a main event match tonight against Moxley. He's wrestling Suzuki. He's attacking you know uh Darby after this match here. So really cool for this young guy to get a to get a lot of uh, a little a lot of run right now as um the women's casino battle royal Julia Hart, Big Swole, The Bunny, Thunder Rosa, Red Velvet, Ty Conti, Penelope Ford, Diamante, Nyla Rose. That's uh, who we know so far. Got to be uh, Ruby Rojo in this too, right? Oh, yeah. She Look, if you – don't they do the one wild card, the Joker? Isn't it a Joker mm-hmm. card where it's a yep. surprise entrance? It's, it's got to be. She's been cutting some good vignettes and some good promos on Twitter. Uh, if you want a good pop. And you want somebody to come in and win? I, I would definitely let her win it. I, I, yep. I mean, look, no offense to you know Thunder Rosa and everyone else on that roster, but her you know, immediately would be the best match for Britt. Yeah, <laughs> immediately. And, and look, and you and I got another WWE, right? The best matches are these WWE personnel coming over, former WWE, and I, right. you know. Um, Man, we were just talking about it a couple of weeks ago and some months ago. How we thought Jade Cargill was a star. If you want to see her, you got to tune in on YouTube, man. I mean, they they just don't think she's. They must not think she's ready at all. You're right. You're right. Because it doesn't make. Because when you look at the lay of the division, they they are like actively holding her back. She yeah. she like naturally just feels like the only real like contender, but they must yes. just not want to put her out there yet. Well, I think they don't. They maybe just don't want her to lose, and they sure don't want Brett to lose. Brett to lose right now, and that's probably what they're trying to do. But it's unfortunate because you know she feels like a star, and it, I hate when you throw water on someone that feels like they were getting over on their own. Like what? Where's the buzz from the Shack match and stuff and all that? You know, um, yeah, we we don't even remember that. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's so long, that's long. yeah, that's yeah. A, Ruby Soho, definitely. I, I I'd put her in there. She wins. Um, and set something up. You know, um, I I don't know when the next pay per view is for them. I, it is. They do four or five a year, so you, you kind of got to look at it this way. You definitely don't. I, I mean, I have no problem with a big match being on TV, but a big big match like that. Ruby versus uh, Britt ha- has to be on a pay per view. The uh, Dax gave an update on Cash uh, injury, still healing. The nerves aren't quite firing up right, but they do want another match. Um, so they apparently are going to get one uh, next week. The AEW World Champ Kenny Omega comes out with Callis, Cutler, Nakazawa. They head to the ring. Callis is cutting a promo. They show some footage of of. Christian working for Callis back in the day um, <laughs> And uh, Christian calls him a Carney piece of shit um, Christian Christian was kind of funny out there You know like I thought he did okay Like you know you know, firing back At him he did fine uh, Kenny does the You think you know me you think you know me You think you know me to Christian 
It's like singing Edge's song, or and uh, he, he, I mean, this is okay. Like I don't hate it. it. I just feel like wow, this was this was definitely supposed to be uh, you know, Hangman Page in this spot. But Callus mentions, I only did what all the every other Booker has done. I only did what Vern Gagne has done, and Vince McMahon. We got a Vince McMahon mention on AEW. Yeah. I think that was the first time anybody's mentioned Vinnie Mac. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a good impersonation too. Spot it wasn't on. bad. I thought it was better than I. W- I thought I. I didn't that realize I had really the callus. It, yeah, I didn't realize yeah, I had the callus in there. <laughs> and, it, and it got better as it uh, it went on. Um, do you think Christian beats Kenny Omega and has both titles? Are we going in that direction, or what are we doing? It seems like Christian is the hotter of the two. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just you know looking at end game stuff. We have all out coming up here. What? On Labor Day weekend, so we're what a week out, one week yeah. away. So eh, I, I don't know if he wins this title or not. But again, other than Hangman Page, if if Omega wins, who's next? You know, Daniel Bryan immediately come in in the mix. I mean, I, when's this New York show? The twenty, right? The end of the thing in the twenties. Yeah. The, the, so I, what's what, well, what would I, that I, be? I, you know, I could see him come in. And, uh, you know, him and Omega would be you know, the 24th. That. that might be yeah. it's a Friday. Is it the Friday? It's Friday, right? I think. Yeah, I, I just uh, I just don't know who on this roster is the next challenger for. I, I mean, there's tons of talent, but but they haven't just, built. They haven't any, been any building them to be that. Uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, doesn't seem like it's John Moxley because he, yeah. you know, he said he's going to be wrestling Kojima and. So he's, I think that's going to be his pay-per-view match It doesn't seem like they were able to get Tanahashi Or one of the bigger stars that they They had hoped for So I just I just don't know how many people know I'm sure again the match will be fine I don't know how many people sure. know or, or really are that interested in In this or even the next match You know Paul White comes out for commentary We get QT Marshall, Nick Camarado And Aaron Solo versus the Gun Club <sighs> this is just such a weird like I know you're building QT Marshall for a match on pay-per-view, but it's weird to have this be a match that's on TV and then QT Marshall gets distracted by Paul White. He he looks at Paul White and then he gets rolled up from behind. So the guy you're trying to get to get built up loses before his pay-per-view match. I don't understand this. I, I don't. I just, this was WWE 101. Yeah, there's three letters here I wrote down. BAD is just bad. I, look, no offense. I, I, I just, Paul White doesn't do anything for me. I understand they're trying to get him some action. Uh, he didn't get much of a reaction. I don't think since he's been here, I don't think he does a lot. QT Marshall does absolutely nothing for me. I don't see many people talking about him. There's not really a buzz about him. I know he might be one of the boys, but this is, as you said, this is WWE 101 bad booking, and we blast WWE for this. This deserves to be blasted. It was not good. Not at all. Uh, backstage, Dan Lambert. This is funny that they are giving this guy time. I mean, he cuts crazy good promos. <laughs> the guy can speak, you know, um, and, and he found a way to kind of tie it into Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page and talk about how they're sort of it was funny because he's just talking and talking and they're just standing there. You know, they'll like just like kind of <laughs> nodding their head as he's they seemed like a weird pairing until he kind of made it work a little bit. 
real men who will stand up to the woke masses. He's ripping on them. He's just like one of those guys who you'd like liberal snowflake, you know, like yelling at, <laughs> like yelling at you. But he's he's entertaining. He's funny. He is. He is, he is. You know. Um, next week on Dynamite Power, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs versus Brian Cage, Orange Cassidy versus Jack Evans, FTR versus Santana and Ortiz, Jim Ross interviews uh, Jericho and Ring, and Tony Schiavone sits down with MJF. I just I don't know if that's you know, like we, they don't even they didn't announce Punk. I mean, I'm sure he'll probably be there because he's probably going to be a lot of the different places that they go. But they they didn't announce him. Friday Rampage coming up. Jurassic Express versus the Lucha Brothers in the uh, AEW Tag Title Eliminator. Whoever wins that will be facing the Bucks at, at uh, All Out. And they announced Ty Conti versus the Bunny and <clears throat> Kenny Omega and Brandon Cutler versus Christian Cage and Kazarian in a tag match. So that's this Friday on Rampage. We got to the main event, Malachi Black looks good, entrance looks good, presentation looks very good, sitting down there, and uh, big big knee, you know, he comes right in, uh, Anderson goes right after him, he, you know, punches, and then knee strikes, punches, big kicks, and uh, Alistair, Alistair Black, Malachi Black, I mean, pretty much a squash, like I said, Anderson gets a couple things in Like he looks badass I don't know something just kind of felt weird about this Yeah he's a star No doubt I I just They're really He's got a feud with Cody We know that we know Arn Anderson Is the the life coach or whatever It is with, with, with Cody and Arn's got the son but it just didn't I, – I, again, it just didn't really connect with me. And I like Malachi Black a lot. I, I thought it was a weird choice to to end the show with this. I thought it was a weird match. You know, it, it's kind of everything was built around CM Punk. It, it was CM Punk and everything else. That's what it felt like to me, and that's what Malachi Black felt like to me uh, Wednesday night. And it was just – I'm just curious to see how many viewers dropped off Throughout the, the the two hour match, I don't really look into the 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 fifteen or thirty minute segments. I, I don't go looking for those numbers, but this probably had a drop off a little bit because it was just it, it didn't do anything for me. And if it did do anything for me or you, it 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 probably felt the same way for a lot of others. Let's get over to Monday Night Raw. I am just furious with these. Freaking gardeners that just decided to come back right now, Coop. They're it's like just a community that you live in. Who's over just, drives over there? I'm gonna get furious, but we're <laughs> we're back to Monday Night Raw now. Uh, <laughs> this show, it just felt it wasn't a ten out of ten, but it it just shows you when WWE does a few things right, like a couple new feuds. Not the same repeated rematches over and over. Heck, yeah. we even got WWE to announce some matches for next week, which they never do. They never yeah. do because Vince yeah. always changes things. This, <laughs> this was a show built around RK Bro. I think it shows you that the crowd loves them. They are over, and I, you know, when you when you you start the show and you bring Damian Priest out and you have him interacting with Lashley, it just feels different. And I like that. I like what they're doing with with that. I don't want Priest to just get squashed, but it doesn't look like he's going to. I think he may he may be in a situation where he has a 15 minute match with Lashley. He looks good. He loses. They say he's not quite ready, but he's still the U.S. champ. Like I I actually like putting him in this position. I don't 
You know, sometimes it feels too soon, like somebody may get squashed. I, I don't get the sense that that's going to be the case with him here. No, and they kind of, I got a little feeling that we may get some Drew Priest action as well. You know, Drew made a couple of comments to him. We you know, could. watch me. I, I'll show you how it's done. I, I could see Drew turning heel um, through some of this. It, it, no, I, I'm with you. It, it wasn't the a, a, a perfect show. But it was a lot better. The ratings were better. Uh, you've got some, you know, breaths of fresh air with feuds. Usually after SummerSlam, Mania, big pay-per-views were nothing but rematches. We didn't get any of that. There were some things on there I didn't like. But overall, it was better. And with, you know, Drew comes out at the beginning for the save. So we had Drew and Priest and Lashley and Sheamus all interacting. And like you said, it just it feels like there are they can really go in any direction here. And yes. what's cool is I I you know I don't think they're going Drew and Lashley again because they've told us Drew no. can't battle for the title. So it feels like it's either going to be Drew and Priest or even Drew and Sheamus a little bit, which they you know they had before, and and maybe you know kind of like a, a side thing. Um, but we're gonna get Sheamus and Lashley coming up this week on Raw. Uh, this Love which it. which should be great. Like. I think this match will be really awesome. They ended up going about the first forty-five minutes through uh, different couple different matches, and it it wasn't a bad start to the show. I I didn't mind it at all. We uh, we got backstage. We we checked in with with Dewdrop, as uh, you know, she said something along the lines she hated being uh, she shouldn't have associated with Eva. I, I hate it when they do this though. She said, "I actually like the name Dewdrop. I'm gonna this this was her moment to be like." Yeah. My name isn't Dewdrop. I'm Piper Niven or any other name that you want. Don't give me the I like Shorty G. I'm gonna run with it. Like yeah. no, you. The point of it was to be like a disparaging name. Don't have them take it and run with it. This is the chance to say my name is Piper Niven. I'm gonna go from here. I didn't. That's what bothered me. Yeah, it, it's you know they they kind of got out of this. This storyline in a hurry Which I, I applaud them for Because it's just been It's just been disastrous from the start uh, I'm with you This this was the moment for her to say Hey look this is who I am A lot of people may have not watched me in NXT UK Or know this but you're going to know me now uh, This is what I'm going to do different But I cringed I did to use your word I cringed when she said I actually like Dewdrop no one likes Dewdrop. No, no, I don't you don't. Does. You don't. So no, like I know Dewdrop. you don't. It was hard you to don't. believe. It was hard to believe her. We've got a demolition, Carrion Cross slash the Sultan with the new mask looking thing and sort of suspendery. Like, okay, what the if you don't like the gimmick and think it's corny, like that's fine. I agree. It's it's bizarre. I think. Why wasn't this just who they were They had it why Why did he ever lose To Jeff Hardy or Keith Lee It doesn't make If you were gonna just present this guy like this If you had any plan for him At all why did you ever Bring him up and have him lose And then you have him just squash the crap out of Ricochet Which is like you've It's not that like you've rebuilt Ricochet But over the last couple months With him you know, in the U.S. title sort of feud with Sheamus And then you had him on pay-per-view in Money in the Bank Like you at least got him being like a, a TV player again There isn't anybody else in the back that you could have had come out here And just run him run right through It had to be Ricochet I don't, 
I just don't like the, what they've done with Cross. He, you know, I I would be shocked if this guy is able to like get over himself. He maybe is someone who they put in. I could see them shoving him into like a title match or in a match with Drew McIntyre or something, having him beat somebody who he shouldn't. The crowd's never going to really get behind him or I don't think believe him. I just it was DOA from the very beginning. They messed up a few things with this and. And think about the way Cross was at the beginning of NXT it, I feel like when he got hurt And he came back He didn't have the same mystique as he did In that first run And then they've really What, what they did was with Scarlet Where she um, I don't I don't like a lot about what they've done with Cross uh, I wish I could argue And say no Gino I like what they've done No he's going to have a hard time I, I, I don't think he's going to get over um, I don't know why they haven't chose to to bring Scarlett with him. It makes absolutely no sense. You lose the title, NXT uh, championship, to Samoa Joe on TakeOver, which is fine. We all thought that. We we knew Cross was going to the main roster. That's why he was on, you know, WWE Raw uh, for the last five or six weeks. And then he comes out in this kind of gimmick that just looks ridiculous. I mean... I, if you're going to do that, at least stick Scarlet. Look, Scarlet's alive because she's posting stuff on Instagram. I, I, I just, and you would think that's what Vince would want. Pretty girl, blonde. That's always kind of been, you know, uh, the thing with, with WWE and Vince McMahon. He likes blondes. I mean, we've seen all these blondes through and throughout WWE. Even if she don't step foot in the ring as a wrestler, this you you said DOA. This is this is this is not good. And him burying people is even worse. It's hard to believe. You can't get into it. Where do you go with him? What what do you do with this guy? Do you keep just he buries mid card talent every week on Monday night with this gimmick? What does he come out next with a shield and all this stuff? As you said, this should have been carrying Cross's gimmick from the start in NXT. Or if you're going to bring him up to the main roster in Raw for five or six weeks ago, let him do this then. At least it just, there's zero sense here. There's zero sense. And I'm not buying it and I'm not going to buy it. Cross is not the best in the ring, but you took the best what was about him away. And that was his entrance with Scarlet. And it's, it, it's like now if you stuck them together, it might be too late. Miz and Morrison, we get a little turn here. So Logan Paul, okay, first off. <laughs> well done, WWE, for booing the hell out of Logan Paul. He got rattled. He wasn't yeah, really, you know, it, it was funny. It's like, I think I think it was Wade Keller who said something like, hey, you know, you want us to play into your gimmick? Well, we are. We're booing the hell out of you. You know, you play a heel a lot of the time, and we're booing you. And he was, like, rattled. They even tried to put the Miz up against him because you always feel like the Miz is going to get booed. And it, nope, the, the nope. crowd... <laughs> The crowd knew exactly what they were trying to do here. It was like, nope, we ain't doing it. He got nervous. He ends up leaving and walking out. Um, so Morrison and Miz, uh, first we get the Xavier Woods versus the Miz match. And then after the match, we get the Morrison and the Miz turn. Xavier wins. And post-match, Miz beats the crap out of Morrison, unloads on him, and... Uh, kicks, just nailing him, skull crushing finale, big booze, and we get the turn. And next week, we're going to have a match Morrison versus Miz. Now, I don't 
think we're going to get a real match or like a this isn't going to be their 15 or 20 minute blow off match. This is either going to be a start to the match and Miz runs off and then, you know, we end up getting a match at a pay-per-view or you know, they they have a few more weeks or Miz pulls the bait and switch and he he tries to have somebody else in the match, you know. Miz brings somebody else, another crony to to face Morrison, so he he kind of weasels his way out of it, but this is good for Morrison. This is great for Morrison. He needs to be at least a mid-card singles guy. He's been so good in the ring and I think he has a lot of fun with Miz, but then it, you know, it gets it's easy for them. They can they can get a little lazy because they can come out and do their segment every week. They don't have to, you know, put him in in other feuds and stuff. Um, I, I like this. I think it's it's really good. It actually felt like a it felt like an important thing. Yeah, it it, it was time to break these two up. Uh, Morrison is really good at what he does. It, it's kind of interesting that. They're putting this match next week on Raw. I'm with you. It's going to go a different way. I mean, the next pay-per-view is Extreme Rules. I could see them two having some kind of gimmick match at Extreme Rules. So, yeah, something, something. you know, maybe we're surprised and they do have a match. It ends in a DQ or, you know, double count out or something silly or Miz takes off running. But it, this is a pay-per-view match to me. But WWE sometimes does this. How many matches have we seen? Singles together two or three times And they do a repeat at the pay-per-view But you got extreme rules uh, You know, I would think you let Morrison runs with this Miz does, doesn't need to be beating anyone right now I would think this is more important for Morrison To get a win over Miz Than Miz get a win over Morrison Absolutely Hey, Reggie We get to see Reggie <laughs> and it's, it's, I love this Reggie's like bouncing around in the ice cream truck He's diving all over He's jumping in the park this is at least a little bit different than the same Everybody running backstage all the time They're giving Reggie a little personality They're giving Reggie a little creativity um, We're both Reggie fans Yeah, we like us some Reggie Love Reggie I, I, I think it's been This This is what the 24-7 title uh, They had in mind It just got so stickish With our truth That it was just You know, it was kind of like uh, Having to watch it, it was like you know, going to get your teeth cleaned or having a root canal it just wasn't fun to watch the roster chase our truth through a match. You know, and, and, and look, the guy's acrobatic. Uh, he's entertaining. Uh, he's fun to watch in the ring. So at least, at least they're keeping him on TV every week, and it's not something that's just like interrupting other things. I, I have no problem with this. I like the guy at the end of the segment. It was like walking around without a t-shirt, like, what's going on around here? You know, what's going on around here? So I thought it was fun. Uh, Mansoor and Jinder have a match. I think they're they're building these guys for uh, for the Saudi Arabia show coming up in uh, in a few months. We'll probably get some sort of a tag team with them uh, with them at that point. And uh, then we that was when we had a little earlier uh, interaction that you mentioned with Drew and Damian Priest talking backstage. Then uh, Charlotte. Comes out and Charlotte was interrupted by Alexa and Alexa just kind of for a moment said hi I I hope we don't get we can't get Charlotte being scared of this freaking doll or anything like that but if we, if we just get Alexa as like she's bringing the doll around and don't not doing anything stupid and like mystical with it and Alexa is just the new challenger at least it feels different at least it feels fresh it's not the same over and over and over so what's I guess where they go with this, you know, Charlotte says some, I don't need family. And she cut a freaking awesome 
promo here. And yeah, you- g- g- good for Charlotte. I, I've been hard on her, but she she is so much better as a heel. Um, the height difference, it, you know, she's so much bigger than Alexa. I don't know how many matches we deal with this. I don't know if this goes into extreme rules, but it's someone other than Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley, right? So I, I'm going to give it a chance, and uh, whether they stick with it, you know, for a couple of weeks or through extreme rules, that's on them, but at least it's different. And speaking of which, Nikki and Rhea, you know, they kind of are doing the, uh, you know, the, the the tag team thing with them, two, two partners that shouldn't be together. You know what? I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. I, I, I didn't it. hate it. I liked it. It was, you know, it was, oh, okay. It was one of those things where they kind of, it, Rhea's starting to feel a little bit better than she did a couple months ago. Yes. She's, she's, I think she's finding herself. This is sort of who she should be. She's kind of, she should be a baby face that's kind of nerdy, but kind of badass both. You know, like she's kind of a dork, but she's unbelievable in the ring. I think that's sort of who she is. She's she's finding her footing here. She just the interactions with Nikki here and over the last couple of weeks, I thought have felt better than the stuff that she was doing with Charlotte or with Oscar. That all just kind of felt forced. It just didn't. Yeah, it didn't didn't really hit for me all that much. But uh, Nikki and Rhea get the win here, and so um, I'm imagining they're going to be the women's tag team champs before too long. We then uh, got Riddle and uh, and AJ, and of course, as you would imagine, Riddle versus AJ was a really damn good match. Riddle ends up getting the win. He uh, he uses Bro Derek after the match. Him and Orton do the uh, the pose together, you know, which is which is just hilarious. The two of them, <laughs> and they they let us know next week we've got. Uh, Lashley versus Sheamus, non-title Miz versus Morrison And Eva Marie versus Dewdrop Hey, that's cool, Raw never does this They never. they very rarely give us a week ahead What the matches are going to be Yeah, look We said they were probably going to pick it up uh, Monday night football uh, Football season is getting closer and closer I think we actually have a college football game I think this weekend uh, You know, the NFL kind of it, it Is a little bit later um, but you, you have to start up in your game and kudos. I, I, like you said, we never get matches announced on raw for next week. We always get the social media interactions with matches or this or that. So, Hey, you know, kudos, the ratings were strong. Uh, it was something different after SummerSlam, after a good, strong pay-per-view, uh, just when you when you want to crap all over WWE, they don't do this right. They don't, you know, uh, it's the same old, same old. They break records with SummerSlam, break records on Peacock, and a solid start to Raw, you know, a- after SummerSlam. So it, it's, you know, kudos. Good start for them. And then uh, we head to the moon. <laughs> We're heading to the moon, Koopa Loop, as we head over to NXT. We open things up. With Cameron Grimes and the Million Dollar Man, they are pumped up. They jump out of the limo, and uh, they uh, they head into the ring, and they cut a really fun, cool promo. As uh, Ted says, you know, at the very end, he cuts the, it's time to go to the moon, and he does the ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. <laughs> and then the $100 bills fall out. And we even see at the end, Ted leaves, and as he's leaving... You know, Cameron gives him the million dollar belt. He says, "You know what? I don't need this. This is your legacy. Like, I thank you for coming." And he and DiBiase says, "You know what? 
I really do want you to have it. And he gives it back to him and it was a fake belt. And he laughed. <laughs> and then at the very end, Grimes goes, damn that DBRC. So <laughs> full circle in a few months where, you know what? I, I will agree with a lot of people who say, man, WWE treats a lot of their legends like crap. They bring them in. They'll have them backstage and they'll have them get like made fun of or talked down to. This was per- this is exactly how you're supposed to use a legend to get somebody over. Cameron Grimes is more over right now than before this this angle started and so is LA Knight. Yeah. And look LA Knight now is in the title picture. You know, NXT uh, title picture, you know, that felt really rawish. I mean, we've seen this on NXT before, so I, I kind of felt that felt a little rawish, but it elevated him. This didn't yeah, that go. was right out of raw, but I didn't mind yeah. it. No, I didn't mind it either, but look, th- this storyline didn't go on too long with Cameron and L.A. Knight and Ted DiBiase. It was good. Now it'll be interesting to see what Cameron Grimes does from here. Ridge Holland, you can tell they are getting behind this guy. He's not too far away from being in that main event picture. He gets a big win over Thatcher, and Ridge Holland is aligned with Pete Dunne. He's going to be kind of inserting himself into the the main event picture a little bit. We see uh, Birch, uh, Birch show back up. So we've got sort of Holland, Dunne, Lorcan, and Birch all kind of back together with their group. And maybe we get Holland and Dunne kind of elevated into the main event picture because we do get – Pete Dunn in just a minute as uh, Arash Markazi has been doing some of these sit down interviews. He he does one here with Carmelo and then with Odyssey Jones where they're fine. You know, just, you just get him asking a couple questions talking about, you know, the, the, the journey getting here and, and what you want to do moving forward. We, uh, we got a match with uh, Casey, uh, Caden Carter and Casey Canzaro. They end up beating, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, which I thought was was kind of interesting because you just debuted Gigi Dolan. They, they've been doing this a little bit with the women more recently, where there's like Stark came out and won a few matches, and then she was kind of gone, and we haven't really seen a whole lot. She's in the tag, you know, feud now, but we haven't seen a whole lot from her. We we'd have them, you know, even with Boa. I think a little bit later, it's it's weird. Sometimes you feel like they're they're starting to build someone, and then they lose. It's almost like they're building Canizaro and Caden Carter here as you know tag. Contenders, because I think they've they've won a few in a row now. Yeah, and uh, Gigi and JC, I look, it was fun, but a, a short match. Uh, I, I thought they were going to get the win. They didn't. Then it looks like Gigi and JC are probably going to align with with Mandy Rose. She was back, and look, we've been seeing bizarre tag team set or bizarre segments with our tag champs. We didn't see that this week, so I, you know, maybe it was. It's been hard to watch. Uh, with our NXT uh, women's tag team champions. They didn't force a segment on us this week because those have really been downers. But I was surprised. I was surprised at the win. Uh, Carter and, and uh, Kenizaro are good. But, you know, we, you start pushing wrestlers and you start pushing tag teams or or, or singles and they, and they lose. It's kind of puzzling. But, Hey, at least they're on TV now. You know, Gigi, I've always loved her, even as Priscilla Kelly. I've said it every week and every time we mention her on NXT. Uh, Fun match, and it looks like uh, they'll probably align themselves with with Mandy Rose. Maybe she'll help get them over even more. Koopa Loop, we've got a wedding coming up on <laughs> September September the 14th. We're going to be doing some wedding crashing for uh, 
Loomis and Indy Hartwell. I mean, I can't wait. I'm like in my head. I'm thinking Johnny Gargano's walking her down the aisle, right? You know, you know, and like just there's so many other cool things that are, we're going to see about this wedding. I love wrestling weddings. They're always pretty fun uh, whenever they go to this trope. So the women's champ Raquel Gonzalez, it looks like, you know, she talked a little bit about Dakota. Um, but now it looks like Kaylee Ray uh, is going to be her next opponent as we did see a match with Kaylee Ray just kind of getting a, a squash over Veronica Froz. So Kaylee Ray looks like she's going to be one to uh, I think they have to, you know, they got to give Kaylee Ray some TV time over the next few weeks and some matches just to for some of the people who may not have known her and they weren't watching, uh, you know, other other work that she's done before this. Just make sure to they've they've made her feel like a big deal. So it can, I think, continue on with that. Have her pick up a couple more wins, and then you know she should be a. I don't think she's winning the title or anything, but a fun contender for uh for Raquel. Where else did we get? Where else are we going? Where else are we going? Okay, this was a segment what we talked about. So we got uh, Samoa Joe walks out, and uh, Joe basically calls everybody out. He says, "Here, mm-hmm. who who who's next? Who wants who wants a shot?" So first off, it's Pete Dunn. And he says, uh, you know, tell your buddy general, uh, tell your buddy general manager Regal to make the match now. You know, just as Joe just uh, done, just comes right out. And then L.A. Knight interrupts him and he says, you know, he's here to be Joe's first and last challenger. And Dunn says, if you come in the ring and you take one more step, I'm going to break your fingers. (laughs) He just kind of backs up a little bit. And then Kyle O'Reilly comes out and poor Kyle O'Reilly, who just just does not. Really fit on the mic with these guys when they're talking because he, he he was trying to be like you know he calls him Pete Dune and then he calls him Joseph Samoa Joseph and uh, yeah he he said what what did he say about LA Knight he said something about the vest like this is a you want to be Stone Cold Steve Austin vest but the delivery was just a little off and Joe even said like nice one. Nice one, you know, and he said, yes, it was a nice one. And I, it, this was sort of a problem that Rollins had a little bit early. And I know this problem. I got a whiny voice, too. And you got a whiny voice. <laughs> it's hard sometimes to come off as his baby face, you know, because he. um, Yeah, it, 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 you give me Kyle O'Reilly and and Dunn or Samoa Joe or even L.A. Knight, any combination of those, it's going to be a good match. But he he doesn't. Make me believe or sell me on it As like a main event promo Guy and so that's just unfortunate It is and I mean It really felt WWE Rawish here I I was Okay with it I was okay You you know I I have no problem with guys Coming out the back you know It shows some fight you know at least it's Not somebody we're forcing into the main Event picture that may or may not Deserve it or or comes out of nowhere No you're right Look we've seen WWE do it seen AEW do it so I, I, I look I love Orange Cassidy he had no reason no reason uh to be in the ring with with Pac and Kenny Omega for the AEW uh world title it just didn't so I'm okay with it it's going to produce some good matches it's going to produce some good one-on-ones um Hudson uh, tax O'Reilly uh, yeah. after two so seems like they're Duke Hudson is someone that they like and they want to they want to keep around for a little bit he was one that got knocked out of the breakout tournament, and that was next. The finals, Carmelo Hayes, Odyssey Jones. 
Uh, Carmelo Hayes gets the win I think that surprised me a little bit But the more I've seen of him He is, he's really good Both of these guys are really good Like I, I think in a few years th- These these should be Grimes and You know, and Swerve And some of the others that we've seen From the breakout tournaments That have gone on to have some success I really enjoyed the match And yeah, I, I like these guys I like Ridge Holland Who's someone that we've been seeing a little bit more of And some, some of the new faces here um, we're, it looks like we're going to be getting a, a little more of Dragon off on our TV too, which is great. I think he's really cool. The Boa Zion Quinn, yeah. uh, you're you're building a Boa. This isn't that great, and it looks like Boa is supposed to be you know a badass, and then he just he loses here. So I do think this week and and the next two weeks are taped, and then when they. Yeah. And then maybe we might see some more of those changes they were talking about. But I did get the sense in this episode there were some things like even with the the segment bringing out O'Reilly and Dunn and LA Knight, it was almost like they don't exactly know where they're going yet. No, no it was yeah. like it, let's uh, kind of I, throw a few things out there, and we have a couple weeks to figure it out. <laughs> and they do, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, they they we've got a couple of tape shows, and then it's really going to be interesting to see. The direction on what some of the some of these go. I love Frankie Monet, Raquel Gonzalez. Um, I, I love that. Hey, look the the, the Carmelo Hayes, uh, Odyssey Jones stuff. These guys are getting sit down kind of interviews, so we can kind of know the background and who these people are. I, I'm with you. They, these guys both can go. Um, these are somebody that probably you know. Sooner rather than later can be elevated even to main roster spots. I know they're really high on Carmelo because this guy has just been, you know, he was answering open challenges earlier. So, you know, Boa, it really, really, it really disappointed me when the announcers started saying, this is a major upset. Oh, I hate that. I just hate it. It just seems weird. I didn't like it. But, it, it you know, it, it's a WWE MO. That they use a lot of the times uh, You know They build people up, you lose one match And then they go on another win streak and win a title I don't know, so hopefully he can bounce back We got Gargano is in Regal's office and then <laughs> LA Knight came in He's he's talking about how they need to cancel The wedding, LA Knight's mad about Samoa Joe, we make it something Between these two, which which could be a little Fun too, they have some personality I'm kind of curious what uh, what comes from This next uh, we got to look in at the Diamond Mine training session where Roderick Strong is working uh, with some other college wrestlers, and he keeps calling him the uncrowned NXT Cruiserweight champ. So we're going to see Roderick Strong and Kushida coming up soon. Uh, then we got the main event. This was a fun, fun six-man tag. It was Hit Row versus Legato Del Fantasma, and I'm always more and more impressed with Legato Del Fantasma. They really seem to do a great job where, where, wherever they're put. Santos Escobar and the rest of the team are just so, like great in ring, and they have a good presence to them. There was an unbelievable spot where Top Dalla had all three of them carried all three of them uh, like around the ring at one point, which was just incredible. And I I would have not wanted like I, I, if you would have told me. Legato Del Fantasma wins this I would have said ah, I don't think Hit Row should be losing But it was fine the way it was done They debut a new uh, a new female It is uh, Electra Lopez And she blasts uh, She blasts um, 
uh, BFAB with this it looks like a pipe and and then distracted the uh, distracted hit row Escobar goes in he rolls up Scott for a win I, I thought it was fun I thought I liked what they were doing they debuted it seemed it was a cool angle seemed like a big deal and I, I like these two teams feuding so I'm cool I think we can get a really cool you know blow off at one point in like a no holds barred or like a street fight with these you know with these six we'll probably get some some more singles with Santos and uh, and Swerve um I'm I'm fine with a lot of- uh, the match was fantastic hot main event uh I like that they have now a female with them kind of interesting that Swerve that Scott took the pin uh here uh Hit Row um has been involved in some really good matches um, but they've been losing a lot recently. So that's something we need to keep an eye on. But look, man, uh, th- this is any matches you put any of these guys in is going to be fun and fantastic. I, this to me, what separated AEW Dynamite main event and NXT main event is just two world, uh, such a, such just a better, a banger type match, a hot match to finish the show with. Uh, Instead of Malachi Black and, and, and Brock Anderson, I, I just thought the, the the main events were two different worlds apart, and NXT's main event was ten times better than AEW's. We just got through Raw, NXT, and AEW, and when we return next week, we'll recap everything from over the weekend, Friday Night SmackDown, Rampage. We'll talk about Raw, NXT, and Dynamite next week with Chad Cooper. Chad, I know uh, you said it's hurricane season. Make sure you stay safe over there. Uh, dodge the. There's a hurricane coming through. You're not talking about Helms, right? You, you're not talking about Shane Helms. You're talking Stand about actually. Back. Okay, was Mighty Molly. Mighty Molly's coming through too. No, <laughs> Coop man, thank you for helping out. I, you did double duty with me this week. We had a really long um, preview last week to set up for everything over the weekend. This is when it comes to wrestling. This is about as much. Uh, that we'll have, probably ever have to discuss in a week like this. So thank you so much, buddy. I really appreciate it. And uh, you have a great weekend. You got it, bud. We'll talk next week. At the Chad Cooper. Give him a follow on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow along with all the work he does there. Loop, one of the best in the biz when it comes to uh, talking everything wrestling here on That's What G Said. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back with plenty more. Loop, big thank you to Chad Cooper for helping us out with a couple installments of this weekend wrestling there. Thank you to David Aragona for helping us out with Saratoga Saturday. Hopefully we led you to some winners on Friday, Saturday. We covered a lot of ground here in, in not all that much time. Normally we're, uh, yeah, we got to what? MLB check-in, Hard Knocks episodes one through three, some football news. We got Friday Saratoga, Friday Del Mar, Friday Charlestown, Saturday Saratoga, Saturday Del Mar, and then Wrestling Raw, NXT, AEW. Thanks to David. Thanks to Chad. Thank you to the sponsors of That's What G Said. Better Than Dot Vegas. Cindy Carava at CindyCarava.com. Don't forget about DRF.com and those past performances. Stable Dual Play Race Win. SarahCandles.com. Promo code GINO gets you 10% off your purchase. Old Smoke Clothing.com. Promo code GINO gets you free shipping. Have a great weekend, everyone. Joey, let's close this thing out.